Good day to all my listeners and welcome to this podcast made by Bahamians for Bahamians with Bahamians. We're here to dive into the minds of Bahamians talking fool about this and that, asking the tough questions and getting the answers. Today on the show, I have with me Wayne, Wayne Wilson. He's a father, entrepreneur, mathematician, amateur scientist, dabbler into African studies, and a lover of culture. And that is our topic today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about culture here in the Bahamas, around the world. Do we have it? Do we not have it? If we don't, why don't we? And what can we do about it? So we're about to dive into a mind and find out what happens when you are brought up by educators and have read enough books to be called a walking library. How does your life change? What happens to your overall aspect of life? And we're going to get some more information and answers on what is culture. So, Wayne, how are you doing today, man? Excellent, excellent, man. Uh, same time, I, I just realized I, I got to find a way to pay you to do my intros everywhere I go. <laughs> it, it it announces everyone, so everyone knows exactly who you are. Exactly. It's, it's, it's fun to do it that way, man. <laughs> Yeah, man, most definitely to be out. Good, good, good. So I've known you for a good while. We've done some work together, and I was uh, I was quite intrigued with your mind. Like, you don't really find much people you have conversations with that actually stem somewhere and go somewhere, and you can ask a question and actually get it answered. So I just knew I had to have you on the, on the talk show just to spread a little bit of what you know to the Bahamian public because I think it's something that needs to be heard. And um appreciate it. One thing I know that you talk about a lot about was culture and culture in different different forms, you know. Um so I'll ask you this question straight out and let's just jump right into it. What is right. culture first of all? To you. Well, yeah. So I must say that the the cultural journey that I've been on is something that has Really, when it comes to me narrowing that down and starting to identify it as a thing to actually investigate has been rather recent. Um, you know, I'd say six, seven years um, okay. of identifying, okay, what makes me me? What makes us us? Um, and so when you start to talk about culture, you look at one aspect of it being what you do, what you actually do, mm -hmm. um, the things that are a part of your community. So the easy things, uh, what you eat, um, how do you live in terms of the structures, in terms of your setup? Mm -hmm. Um, how do you, uh, in a spiritual sense, worship? Uh, how do you congregate as a people? Uh, what do you what do you uh, gather around uh, as it relates to things like entertainment and art? And so through those streams of it, in what is more or less like an active sense of culture, um, basically, I identify with your language, your art, your food, um, and your your spirituality. So those are kind of like the major categories that I look at as it relates to an active culture. And then, uh, of course, it all ties into the historical concept of where you actually come from. Because if you're going to have an active culture, well, it makes no sense that you have a culture today and then tomorrow you have to start all over again. Right. Makes so 
culture has to be something that has some form of thread, even though we look at it as though culture is evolving and culture could move and culture is this living, breathing thing. Yes, but some element element of it um, has to be uh, anchored on that continuity. So I also consider um, your history, your DNA, who you are as a people, as a part of your culture. All right. So... Because think of it that way. When you said for your language, your art, your your food, your spirituality, things like that that make up who you are, is that, and you also mentioned that it's it's something that evolves. So with Bahamian culture, um, is it unique enough to stand out amongst other cultures, like anywhere else in the world? I'll I'll, I'll put it like this. First of all, one thing I what I always recognize as culture, I don't, I won't say it's cultures, but more to recognize people is by their dress for example um growing up i used to watch a lot of japanese movies but they dress a certain way when you see them you know them versus chinese they dress a certain way then you look at other cultures even in this region south america etc they dress a certain way they have traditional dress and i Mm -hmm. used to ask Where's our traditional dress? What do we wear? How do how when I go to a conference, a worldwide conference, what do I wear? Right. So is that also a part of culture? I would say at some point you start to look at elements of it's almost like uh what are the not to say the extensions, but you have derivatives is the word I'm looking for of certain core elements of your culture. So if you were to look at things like dress, um, I would say to a certain extent, I would consider it cultural. However, the things that we identify as uh, what, what I would consider pivotal in terms of dress in cultures, they are usually tied to some event. They are usually tied to some form of practice that's within that environment already and so you know in a sense i think it ties into more uh you know whether it be into the arts or whether it be into spirituality in terms of what we identify we see a person and what they're wearing the the actual idea of clothes i wouldn't consider it uh expansive enough clothes kind of adapt to the environment um, your environment also brings about certain things that become cultural. So, you know, those things are kind of dynamic. I don't know whether there is a gradient of, okay, is this significant or not significant enough? Um, I'll put it in this context, and it's something that I may use again as an example later on. But when you consider, okay, I love my wife, all you know is that at some point in time, you love her. You can't really pinpoint, okay, I love her because this happened on this date. And I love her because she, um, you know, she did this when I did this. Or it, it, it really don't work like that. So in terms of your culture, I think it is something where, okay, are you Bahamian or are you not Bahamian? Right. It's like, yeah, if you Bahamian, you do these things, but you can't really get to the point where it's like, okay, this, 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 check the box. 
that's culture. Right. You know, so I I do see, and and again, this is something for me is like a, you know, a passion of exploration, not where, you know, this is not defined science for me. So, so what do you see as Bahamian culture then? Um, For one thing, the first thing people always say, they always throw junk in the window. Oh, that's our culture. But again, when you look at, uh, if you go deep enough, you look at the origins of junk who comes from Africa. And then there are some countries in the Caribbean that do a similar thing to junk So it's that uniquely ours. Like you say, it's just a portion of it. But it makes us up because I think we take it to another level. So Bahamian culture, do we have it? Like, what? what is it? I mean... Our language, we definitely have an int- interesting language. We speak, we do have an accent, and most people will recognize it. I think our artwork is still developing um, because I've seen so many comparisons to other artwork around the world. It looks so similar, so it hasn't stand out to me as yet. I don't know how it looks to you. Our food is, is kind of unique. It's not very different from the rest of the Caribbean. I, I guess we're all together that way, and... Oh my gosh, spirituality. Yeah, we got to take our time with that part. But based, based on that, do we have a culture? Do we have something or is it still developing? Where are we right now? I feel? have to be completely honest with you. And I I mean, coming from an individual that identifies with uh, uh, nationalism, quote unquote, it's, it's a hard thing to say, but I don't really know that there is a thing called the Bahamian. Okay. What do you, what? I, I I don't know really whether or not that's a thing. So what what are we? I mean, we're we're in the Bahamas, I guess. Well, again, are we in the Bahamas? I I don't know that that is certain truth for me. Okay, you got to explain that one. Um. Well, quite simply, the the borders as they are identified now for our country and the majority of what we consider the the known world. These are very recent identified borders, countries having their borders as we know them. Mm-hmm. Germany, France, Spain, these, these countries are very recent. The Bahamas, Jamaica, Brazil, Venezuela. I don't know that these are separate entities. And why am I considering the people that are there? Why am I considering them different? Mm. Okay. Through colonization. Well, so, I mean, I don't particularly identify with colonization as being a, a contributor to my my way of living or my, my what I identify with as my understanding of the world. And so if I take that away, then I really don't have that paradigm where I'm looking at things through the lens of you're a German. And you're an you're an Iranian citizen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. So when we start to look at the Bahamas, okay, are we on a geographical mass that we could say, well, hey, you know, the sea stops us, and we're land animals, and right. we live on the land, mm-hmm. and so this is one place, and that's us. Okay, uh, that's a negative. Uh, are we in a, in a expanse where we say, well, civilizations or nations or people should be of this range in terms of how far reaching a, 
or actual culture could be centralized or what's not. Um, well, countries are very different in sizes. You have a country like the United States um, that's on a, um, what we claim to be a continent between uh, Mexico, between Canada, and then you may have a country like Ireland. It's like, okay, so it's not about size. What yeah. is it? And all of these things, again, questioning and going down to the why, I'm not going to be a person that sets my foundation on something that I know that you don't know. So I know you don't know the answer. So you can't make me feel like a fool <laughs> for saying, well, is the Bahamas a real place? You can't make me feel like a fool because you don't know why Andrus, Auckland, and Grand Bahama are part of one country and why Barbados, Trinidad, Jamaica are separate countries. You don't know. Right. And we all in the so, same area. This is this is it. Why is Cuba not in the Bahamas? Why 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 are we not one people? So you know when you start to get down to it, yeah, you know there's a response that I could give to talk about. You know, well, hey, we say boy, and I see nowhere else in the world nobody say boy, and you know this, that, and the third. But really and truly, at my core, when I start to look at culture, I. I and you bring up the levels of significance of you know where is it significant to consider um a culture different like me and my neighbor we talk different um we live different even though we live in the same place yeah. um my house look different than his are we in a separate culture should be a he be a left side of the rodian and I'm a right <laughs> side of the rodian I I don't know so, yes, simple enough, and and your your audience and you you know already a little bit about the way that I think, but your audience get you know some kind of grasp. Like, yeah, we could we could make a decision. Most of the things in humanity, we have to realize these are consensus of the masses to agree. Yeah, these are not matters of fact or truth or whatever. These most of what we deal with are a, an agreed upon consensus. That's it. So I could go around um, calling my computer a phone and me and my friends could say, yeah, well, that's phone. I get, I get uh, uh, open up my phone. Uh, when I get home, I'm going to get on my phone and we could me and computer. But the rest of the world has already agreed what a computer is and what identifies that different. We could call it a shoe. But there has to be an agreement in order for there to be understanding to build as collectives. That's that. That's what uh, you know. Language. That's what um, the the our identification of things in our area, in our in our environment. They are agreed upon so that we could progress, and it's simply that. So okay, because all right. So let's go back in time. Then let's go back in time. Because the ag agreement was made without our consent when Spain, France, Belgium, et cetera, et cetera, got together and made a decision that, hey, 
we're going to um, extend our reach to the rest of the world. So we all know the history. We were told about it. Christopher Columbus, 1492, blah, blah, blah. They came here. They claimed it. He left it alone. The Spanish came. They claimed it. They left it alone. The British came. They claimed, I'm talking about the Bahamas. They claimed the Bahamas and say, right. this is ours. Yay. And Spain say, you know what? Uh, we didn't want that. But we take this big land mass over here. We call that Cuba. So they extended their reach. So they made the consensus to agree that the Bahamas would be under British. So you would do as we do and, and speak the language we speak. And Spain said, well, this landmass, you're going to do what we do and speak the language we speak. So can we go with that? Even though we didn't have a damn choice in it, <laughs> you know, um, how do you work that out? Because what would we now say? Oh, well, I, don't, I don't go with that because they don't rule me. I, I don't go with that. <laughs> I don't go with that. I hear what you're saying. And you, you, could, you could maybe bring it across to me and say, hey, guy, we need a starting point. Um, let's start under this assumption, even though we know that it is not uh, uh, a truth. Like you, you would talk with certain people and you get the impression that they feel that God named the Bahamas the Bahamas and <laughs> made it these islands. So if we don't have that as our assumption and right. we say, hey, look here, man, we know all this foolishness happened. Um, what we can do is move from where we at, but here is what we are building, what we are building upon. Here, here is what we're doing. And if you, if you come to me with that, now we have a different premise, mm -hmm. but your, your issue there is what are the fundamentals and the foundation of what you actually attempting to stand on? And the way that I look at it based on my investigation, is that I am an African person living in the Bahamas as we know it. So if I'm identifying with what I consider culture, then my culture, in my mind, it connects to historical African traditions. See, and then, and then, okay, then. So here's the point, because right? I know what people are going to be thinking. Af oh, gee, this dude's on this African thing again. What are you talking about? Bro? He was born in the Bahamas. My, my mommy was born, yeah. My Grammy was born, yeah. What you talking about? We's Bahamian. And I used that mm -hmm. word loosely, we is, because that's the way we talk. So, right. this pan Africanism thing, what you talking about, man? I mean, this is, we, we, our, our grandparents, our great grandparents grew up wearing their Sunday best, drinking tea at high noon. This is what we do. This is why we dress a certain way when we go to church, because our influence was here by the British. We were brought here by the British, and we grew up in the system. Right. So where Africa come in this? So you're trying to pull in slavery now to say, or enslavement to say that the culture came over from that? That was taken from us. So how can you, how can you claim that? Well, it, it goes back, I, I guess you look at it from two angles. One, if, if the culture that we associate with, like you say, Sunday best, drinking tea at I noon, um, there, the majority of the things that we actively do within our environment, um, comes from the British. If it was something that seemed to progress us as a people and was working in terms of building our communities, building our families, 
I would probably not have a reason to investigate further. Okay. The the reason that the cultural elements become problematic for me is because I realize that at its core, these are not beneficial to us as people. That's that's really where the issue comes in for me. I don't just um you know pick a country and oh I I I don't think I should do that. I, I don't I don't associate with that. No, it's that. The way of doing this thing in its current format does not benefit us. And as a people, we should be doing those things that build us up as a community. And when you get back to its core, you recognize that the way that the things we call culture evolved was really out of a daily practice of building and enhancing your community. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the origins of what we call culture um, kind of thinking back to a point where you don't have words or concepts to identify what you're doing. We, we think in reverse because we place these definitions and associations on things in the past. And so we call them that. But we realize when when these behaviors originated, there was no one there to say. Be cultural. This is no people just did these things and the things that they did were to enhance their community, to build them up as people, to teach the generations of, okay, this is where we congregate because as I've lived my life, I realized that it's better for us to get around the dinner table. We have conversations and, you know, we talk and mother talks to the children and father. And this is where the culture builds from people just doing these activities. And so now you as a child, you come up in that household and you grow and you know to understand, okay, this is where we talk about things in the community. This is where we get. So we do that. And so now having dinner in a gathered sense, rather than taking a piece of food and going and eating separately on the land is a thing. Hmm. So those things, where when I look at the core of it, culture for us should be building us up as a community, taking us further. So what we're, so, doing, what we're doing now <laughs> or considering as being a Bahamian, if it does exist, is it not building us up? Are we not moving forward? I think for me, it's quite easy to see that that answer is a big fat no. Why, um, why is that? Well, we're not we're not in a space where we as a community are tapped into any form of excellence. Uh, when I say any form, again, we, we're talking about these things um, conceptually and on a broad scale. Um, so, you know, we're talking about uh, the, what, what we consider quote unquote, the least among us, the whoever you consider the common man or whatever these concepts are to people. That's what we're talking about. When we talk about, um, the excellence of the spirit of excellence within the community, we're not tapped into that at all. And we have greatness. Um, yes, within us, we're not tapped into that. And it's not a, it's not a way of being for our community. Um, you look at the impact of living in this society and to bring it up, you know, I'll talk kind of normal for a while. Um, you know, you, you don't get what you want in this country. You, nothing that, nothing that you, nothing that seems logical happens. 
And we kind of, you know, we put blame here, we put blame there, we do it. No, but the idea is that we are standing on top of systems and culture that was put in place for a specific purpose. It was designed for a specific purpose, and that was to subjugate indigenous people. Okay. So okay. we being indigenous people and coming from that framework, how are we ever going to get this system? This system is performing perfectly. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's ideal because it's doing what it's designed to do. And that is keep us down, downtrodden. We got hungry people everywhere. Um, we got working poor everywhere. But we isn't got that people worldwide? Be- I mean, you could go to any country and see that. So are we unique to that? We're not really unique to that when you really it's, think about it. Well, first of all, when you can, when you talk about worldwide, there is a domination of what we term Western ideals yeah. that are global. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you see these things everywhere, I would, I, w- I would propose that it's because Western ideals don't work. <laughs> so they, they don't. And that's why, yes, that's the dominant culture. And yes, it's something that's predominant in a lot of places, in many places. But when we say worldwide, we see various cultures that we look at and we say, um, you know, we would want to identify with certain things, whether they be um, um, uh, in Switzerland, whether they be Finland, whether they be uh, Canada, certain things we look at and we kind of look at and say, well, it's working pretty good there. They don't really have a lot of poor people in Sweden. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, there's not a really lot of hunger. There's, there's, you know, the education works great for them. Um, you know, they work in half the year. They don't really, you know, they go on vacation eight weeks, 12 weeks. If they tell the boss, Hey, look, I just want to take three months off. They just do it. Like it does actually kind of work for them. So that's you their, see, that's their culture that's working for them. Exactly. And the thing is that we're looking at things as if, well, no, man, you know, these things for everybody because everybody is everybody. And if not really like the things at your core within your community, you identify with them from your specific paradigm. And so it's really, uh, it's a process of, it's a thought where you think and you impose and it happens. The easiest example is, you know, this kind of element of um, feminism and what's not amongst different cultures. And you go and you look at um, Arabic cultures and you know, are they doing this to the women and they're doing this and they're doing that? Well, in their culture, these are the way that things evolve. You really don't know whether or not that person is Happy. Happy doing what they're doing. They have, they have no issue. You want to step and butt into it and tell them to change it. That's not like a country we all know very well. Just change. Exactly. <laughs> Let me, okay. Exactly. All right. Because you, you throw in this word. I don't like people to, to assume when we throw a certain word around that we, everybody knows what we're talking about. Community. Because you use that word a whole lot. What is a community? How, how does a community, um, if, but how is that created? What is that? <clears throat> Well, let's let's take it one step further 
um, into what I would consider uh, the fundamental building block of human society, which is the family, not the individual, right? So a community, or, or let's take the step of the families, a family is built on you having an identification with the individuals amongst you, um, there being a natural identification as one part of it, there being a value-based identification where you agree that, um, let's just say something uh, uh, for us in, in my family, um, and it's not unique, but respect for elders. And, and we could extrapolate that and take that into the larger community at some point or whatever. But let's say in my family, it's, it's not the same in every family, but in my family, um, if an elder person is speaking, if they ask you to do something, you don't consider yourself and your thoughts and what you get going on. And if you really into that, you don't do all of that. Yeah. You just get up and you do it. That's a, that's a value that's established within my family. So that's established in my family, small and extended family. And it, it fades as you go larger. But when you talk about a community, a community is a place where families then extend to be connected with each other through a shared history and a shared set of values along with a shared vision of the future. So it's past, present, future in my eyes as to what a community entails. Hmm. So if we are, say we are cousins and what's not, and okay, we have a shared history. We we know that. Um, let's say our values are kind of aligned, but not really. Um, maybe fifty fifty. But in terms of the vision of the future, you go one way, I go the next way. Yeah. We're not a part of the same community. Yeah. So, really, at its core, for me, a community has to be in alignment with those, you know, kind of three things. Um, and when we start to look back at, you know, the sizes of different communities historically and what's not, um, this is really why when people look at African kind of historical cultures, it's like, oh, this one here, they believe this one different, they believe this one different, and they there, and how come this one ain't helped this one, and this one, whatever, is because there was the respect for those communities mm -hmm. in the way that those things were built. Uh, ultimately getting up to the size of a people and nation from a tribe and these, but those are communities. The community could get as large as you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but you have to share that common thread, past, present, future. Okay. Now, cause as you talking, something came to mind. My dad told me it's a story he told me. Um, and it makes sense when you look at that whole concept of community. Now, for people who know me, if you don't know me, I mean, my name is Penn. The word Penn, the name Penn, of course, if you want to go back uh, where the name come from. But it's synonymous with Turks and Caicos. So my people, or part of my people, came from Turks and Caicos. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, because we have certain communities within the Bahamian culture. When we say Bahamian, in the, the geographical boundaries of what is known as the Bahamas, we have... Mm -hmm. Of course, what you call persons who say are uh, Bahamian, you have those who are Turks Islanders, we have Haitians, we have Dominican Republics, we have Cubans, we have, it's a mix, it's a melting pot, right? 
But I'm going to talk mainly about Bahamian, Turks and Caicos, and Haiti. Now, right. watch this culture. Now. This is quite interesting that you said that. So I'll just give a quick story. Um, my dad told me a story about him growing up. And he grew up in Seagrape. Okay, Seagrape is one of the settlements that Turks Islanders came to when they came to the Bahamas to work to the either to the um what is the lumber yard or different places, you know, around that were available during that time. Especially during the contract, you know, a lot of Bahamians went to the United States, Turks Islanders came here into the Bahamas. So mm-hmm. um as a young child growing up in that area, I what you just described, I recognize that because everyone had a history together. So we everyone worked together. Now, when I came to Nassau or came back to Nassau with my mothers and her parents, who were pretty much born and bred Nassauvians, um, that was different from what I, I experienced in Freeport. Now, the story right. that my dad told me, and he said, I think, it's, you know, we have this big issue in the Bahamas between Bahamian and Haitian, right? Mm-hmm. He said, you know what? The same thing they're going through is the same thing they went through as Turks Islanders coming to the Bahamas. What are you talking about? You never hear about this. What's going on? The same way most Bahamians or some Bahamians would treat Haitians as in you don't belong here, go back home, et cetera, et cetera, was the same way they treated, again, a part of my family. We were uh, ostracized for that same reason. Why? Because there was a, a split in culture. Now, he was talking about when he moved from Seagrape, which is out in Igmar Rock, to the city of Freeport. Here it is now. You have people living together. He's from Seagrape, someone from Holmes Rock, someone from a different area. And all these people coming together in a whole new different section. So I'm asking him, why isn't that same camaraderie that we saw in Seagrape here in this area? So he explained, like, we're all from different places. So everyone had a different history, like you said. So right. the present is that, yeah, we're not from the same area. We just hail and say, hey, neighbor, how you doing? But we don't have that thing like, can I borrow a cup of sugar or take this down to Miss Susie or whatever. Like that. like that was gone. So when I looked at that in Nassau and I started to look around me, like in my neighborhoods when I grew up, we all knew each other because we all grew up together. But when you move out that neighborhood, right. now you're in a new neighborhood. And again, you barely know your neighbor. You, even though you try to say, hey, how you doing? What's your name? But it never really fosters right so that community doesn't grow so the whole larger scale of community in in the bahamas in in nassau on each island i wouldn't say each island because most of the family islands are still in their own on on settlements or on um, communities but in nassau Uh many because we have so many different people coming from different islands this is like one of the messed up islands in in this region or in this section that we call the bahamas because we we don't have a shared history so i'm trying to piece this together as you talk what if you say mm-hmm. you say moving together what if we all say all right um like you say why is it that we're different from haiti or different from cuba or different from jamaica anything else when we all come from one place what happens now if we all grab gravitate to that one place do you think that now not just what we call the Bahamas, Turks and Caicos, Haiti, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Jamaica, et cetera, et cetera. Will we all have a shared community? Would that, is that how this thing would work? Most definitely. First of all, something very powerful would happen 
But when you look at it in the sense of building communities, yeah, the more buy-in that you get along your specific ideals. And, and when we look at those three things of, you know, the history, the, the present, culture, values, and the future, um, of course, they, they are too. Not to say you could put it in a percentage basis or what's not, but I would imagine them as a scale kind of vacillating of importance as to when and where you are at and what you need to to dig into in terms of put it like this. If if you you could be in Nassau and you know, people you moving all about, you ain't hearing nothing, you ain't, you you passing people in the road. You 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 ain't really checking no. about aligning nothing with them. You just doing your do. Now let's say you end up go to school. You go to school in uh, Turkey. You in Istanbul. You you in school, and all of a sudden you hear two dudes talking. Yeah, boy. Anyway, I get back home. Well, as soon as you hear that, I know you is. But where you from, boy? You tap up, boom, 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 boom. Conversation, yeah, man, what's going on? How long you been here? Da, 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 da. Anyway, yeah, man, are you going to do this? Let's, let's get together. See, the mere fact that right away there's a, a tie that, you know, it's historical because in that moment, your language is historical. It, it's, it's the fact that you know what that language means. The fact that you know that, okay, yeah, man, this boy grow up. Uh, this kind of way, if he talking hard like that, I know he people, he mommy, this and that, he grew up in the church, he grew up, you know all of these things about a person just by them couple words that he said, yeah. you associating that, and whether or not it's true, yeah, the, the way that you define that in your mind is what draws you to then say, he okay for me to talk to, because it could very well be the case that you could have been you could you could um see one of my um Bahamian cousins that is an uh, is uh, uh talks with an American accent, yeah. and if you saw them in Istanbul and they you just said them yeah man what's going on we about to go down over here you wouldn't pick up yeah even though my cousin has the same historical background framework that would want you to identify with him so those things are keys but it brings in the the you hearing that language brings in the history and that in that moment you don't know about that person's future thoughts you don't know about where they're living their life now and what those values and practices that they live now you don't know that so it's really in that sense the history is the most important thing in that in that paradigm to get you into that community but now if we here sitting down me and you and we we in town every day. We just hear whatever. Um, you know, I, I know where your parents come from. And I, the historical part is really not the most important in that sense. Right. Because now it's about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Oh, man, you out there selling dope. Well, no, we ain't in the same community. <laughs> we, 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 we in the same community. We, because I don't know that what you're doing. That can't get me. I don't care what it is. You you can't we can't identify to do nothing what we need to do to build ourselves up to go further. Now if I see you doing some nasal progressive dude, 
Um, you looking at building a business, you doing this. I said, all right, let me see what's going on over here. Now, let me see what you look. If I'm going to invest time in being into your community, let me see what your picture of the future looks like. And now are you building towards a nation where this and that, or are you identifying with people where this and that? So just in, in the sense of, you know, identifying those three aspects, I think that it can change. So it's not the sense to then say, oh, well, you know, where you come from means you can't get together with this person or, you know, our history is different because France was over here and English was over here. So we ain't have the same history. So it ain't it's, it's, it's very different in the sense of when you need to identify with certain things it becomes situational. Right. Yeah. But I would say to go back to your original um, question is that. The agreement to identify as one culture the, or, or to say as one community is one of the most powerful forces that is being fought against for, for us as a people. So to say it, well, what if we do together? That's one thing. But when you recognize that there is an actual design, there is a force that's in place to stop that from happening. Then you realize, well, why it doesn't happen easier or why is so much problems we're trying to identify or where are all of these hiccups and stuff, why we can't come together, why are we not unifying? And you see that these things are not just naturally occurring phenomena of, you know, disassociation and not relating to people there's a divide and conquer strategy so the divide and conquer strategy is that force against us and if you're not recognizing that and filling in the gaps in your mind with some of the strategies to unify you will never really get to that strong point so is this what we call you know is it the black crab syndrome that we call it or it's just like you say the system that's been imposed on us that causes that well the, the black crab syndrome is a part of the system so that's a part of the programming that's not like a naturally occurring feeling that's a program so that's put into our software right oh boy our poor culture so what do we do as Bahamians I mean how do we get back what do we what do we grab as our historical uh origin or point and how do we change it because right now everything is so new providence centric and if mm-hmm. whatever starts here can spread to the rest of the country or spread to the rest of the islands so right. how can we or what should we hold to say you know what here's our unifying force this is what we're going to hold on to because what we've been holding on to obviously is not working you know correct so where what so- what should we what, what should we consider I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. For me, um, I am willing to be a part of things and strategies and all of these things that are looked at as intelligent ways of doing things for the country. Um, only because I've had to come to the resolve in my mind that I cannot allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good. Um, it's a phrase that I've really had to take and kind of marinate on in my life. And so there is one answer that I associate with the perfect. 
And then there are the things that we try to do and strategies and, you know, forming committees and plans that I say, okay, we could try to make those good. So I, I'd break it up into two different um, kind of segments in terms of that response. Okay. Um, so for one, and I could make this one quick, we don't have to delve into it. Um, I'll, I'll put it like this. If you were building a, if you were building a, a business, any organization for that model, you don't start off your organization saying, okay, when someone comes to work uh, three minutes late and they've only finished 75% of their project and they've also been sick for the last two weeks, <laughs> what do we do? You, you don't start with what happens when uh, uh, what we consider a sub subordinate is insubordinate to an authority figure, and but they are also a producer and they have a track record of being a team player. You don't start off saying, what do I do in that situation? And then build an organization. Yeah. You start off with your organizational values. You start off at the core with your vision. You start off with your mission. You start off with what are the ideals of what this thing is. So the challenge that we face as a nation is that we make an assumption that we have ideals. We make an assumption that we have values. And, and then... We build these plans and strategies and we expect for them to work. But what happens is that when you, when you have a strategy and a plan and you start to execute it, invariably things will happen. And when these things happen, you then, as, an, as a proper plan organization, you fall to your values, your vision as to what you do in this scenario. Because we don't identify values, vision, mission, plan for our country and our people, when we fall into situations where we don't know what to happen, there's a default setting that we have. Mm -hmm. And the default setting that we have are the vestiges of slavery, are the programming of white supremacy, they they are the the default position in our minds. This is what we've been programmed with through colonialism. So as a community, we have a collective sense of unspoken values and ideals. We don't speak about them, but they default into a position that hurts us. Right. And so when we plan, when the plans and strategies and the development plan and the um, um, this group and that group and when this committee and all it, when they get together and do something, yeah, it sounds good and it this and that and yeah, okay, cool. But when you deploy that and something go this way or that way, mm -hmm. who is it that I promote? Uh, my cousin or the, <laughs> the, um, lady who, who may be the best worker, but, um, her, her Grammy. Uh, beat my child when he was in primary school. Then you fall back to 
what your programming is, what your status quo is. And that status quo break down your plan. And that's why we don't ever get anywhere as a people. So like I say, for me, what I've come to realize is, okay, there is an agenda afoot at getting us away from looking at values, principles, and vision. There's an agenda afoot. So to to be able to do that, you're going to be starting not with a nation. You're going to be starting with individuals. But on the surface of, you know, intelligent planning and strategy, I could sit down with, you know, the best of whoever for what we're doing, uh, town planning, organizational development, government reform, any of those things, they are inconsequential. They, they are small orders of things for us to do. Mm-hmm. What new industries we need, what, those are small things. Th- those are small things. The issue is that we don't know where we're going. The issue is that we don't know who we are. Now, to somebody that will say, yeah, yeah, man, don't worry about that. Uh, you know, uh, we can sort that out. But <laughs> what we need later. right now, we need to know, we need to know how we can make some money. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you think. Because you, you're you ignorant. That's why you think like that. And that's why the individuals that have been thinking like that have gotten us nowhere, over nowhere, over nowhere. The evidence is there as to what that sort of thinking gets us to. So I'd be a fool to then look and say, yeah, well, I can rule with that too. I want to try something different. All right. So... Cause that's a mouthful actually just digest all together. Um, let's get back in time. Let's let's go back to our core values. We as being black people, which is weird. We're gonna talk about um why people consider black behemoth or white behemoth, and like we can't even understand exactly what's the difference between that. Because like you said from from the beginning, you can't even ascribe to the point of what a behemoth really is. You can't even say what that is, because the consensus is that if you say you're a behemoth, People automatically think, oh, you're black. But we also have some people who are not black. There are white persons in the Bahamas who live here, and they ascribe to the same uh, label of being called a Bahamian. So I think, I don't know, can you even separate the two? Because they their history is different from our history. So we can't even I, say that we have the same thing. So that's that's not even a cultural thing right there. We have a problem right exactly. there. Exactly. So how do you deal with that? I mean... Where do you even put them? Is it that, okay, let's talk history for a second. When I talk history, when I used to do tours, I used to do tours with a lot of um, tourists when they come across here. And we used to talk about Excellent. things. So right? I could, let me, let me preface. You could then fill in the gaps for me uh-huh. because I actually, from, from the sense of understanding uh, the dynamics of modern Bahamian history, I didn't grow up in the Bahamas. Right. So the 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 learning that I have of the history of the world and the history of the country of that I'm in and I didn't get that ingrained in me about the Bahamas. So I sit down and listen when people talk to me about modern Bahamian history. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not any kind of scholar of any part of that. Well, let's put it like this, right? Here's what we're taught. Again, if you want to start from Christopher Columbus, that's fine. And, and that's been ingrained so much so that they have a whole statue of the man at government house. And I, yeah. I, I wanted to stop, but I, I have to stop you. You can't say if I want you to start from Christopher Columbus. Okay. Christopher Columbus <laughs> is irrelevant. 
in my my in, paradigm yeah, of the world. That's in your paradigm, but for the for, for the rest yeah, of the Bahamas. Yeah, you're talking to me. Okay, you're talking to me. I, I can't have you say if I want you to okay. start with Christopher Columbus. What does that mean? Well, I'll that start means there. nothing. <laughs> that yeah, that means you could say do you want to start when your father went to Freeport. It has yeah, as much totally meaning to me as that. Well, let's put it like this then. What was what was taught to the Bahamian people? And I'll I'll start where most Bahamians consider the Bahamas started from, which is a weird concept to even consider. It doesn't even make any sense. But so we're all we're taught in in primary school about Christopher Columbus, fourteen ninety two, came to the Bahamas blue, sailed or sailed the ocean blue, uh, and discovered right. the Bahamas. I got that part. So we get that. I got right. that part. Um, the things that we don't know is how he abandoned the Bahamas because they didn't he didn't find the the island to be resourceful. He came for a certain reason. He came looking for riches. All right. Now they tell us, oh, he came looking for another way to India. And he came here and found people. Nonsense. But anyway, fast forward a bit. Like I said, he came across, of course, with the uh, Queen of Spain, Isabella. So he was under the Spanish flag. They claimed this, this island. They abandoned it. The British came around. They claimed it. And there was a little war between the British and, and Spanish. And hence, hence the Spanish left and went to Cuba and the British claimed this area. So pretty much you were under British rule. Now, right. when you historically thinking about it, um, when you think about when you do tours, when they did tours downtown with tourists, and we would talk about piracy, or we would talk, as you know, there's a whole place downtown called Pirates of uh, of the Caribbean, Pirates of Nassau. Sorry, there's a whole Correct. museum about this thing. So you pass this area, and you're telling the, the tourists about this. Oh, this is a museum built to the piracy that was here. We talking about the governor and expelled pirates, all them things like that. And it's amazing how the rest of the world consider when they say Bahamians, they're thinking of us, black people. And so you have to stop them. Wait, we weren't even here yet. All right. That time of piracy, when they used to do wrecking off of Eleuthera with the Spanish, with the uh, Eleutheran adventures, et cetera, et cetera. Blacks were not really a thing as yet. When I say a thing, like we were not really brought to the islands to do slavery as yet. We well, do. you're 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 skipping over something yeah. for me, and I, which is that when you when you say that blacks were not even here yet, the Africans that predated Columbus' arrival. All right, let me use this, this word. Let me use this word: enslaved blacks. Okay, that'll separate the difference. Easy, right? Good. So, enslaved blacks or enslaved Africans were not a part of this. Um, region, whereas we were doing cotton and cane and whatever else they had us doing on these family islands. So the concept, uh-huh. when people say that, they try to throw everyone into the whole pot. The world thinks of the Bahamas as being predominantly black, like 100% black. They see white people right. here and they think that they migrated here. Now, it's so interesting. During one of the courses I did, we had a, a Caucasian guy in there. And this gentleman is what you consider to be an original Bahamian. And when I say Bahamian, the British came here, took the name Bahaja or Bahama from the Spanish and used it as the Bahamas. And he could trace his lineage back to the the the, the lords, whoever you want to call them, who came from England, came here and was given or granted land. Okay? One of right. the, in fact, his people, uh, his ancestors enslaved our ancestors. That's how right. far back he could he could track his lineage. 
So there's a separation, whereas the what we call the Caucasians or the British were here doing things, claim this land, put rules and regulations, like you say, put a system here before they brought enslaved Africans here. So there is a separation between what is a Bahamian. This is why I asked that exact same question. If they were here before enslaved Africans, before we were brought here against our will, uh, work on these plantations and took our name away from us and give us their names, hence, same thing in Turks and Caicos, which was all considered one, and like William Penn, I, I did the research on it. William Penn, who was a governor, went to the United States, got chased out of there, came down to the Bahamas. From here, they gave him some plot of land in uh, Turks and Caicos, and he set up a whole plantation there and gave all uh-huh. of his slaves, slaves the last name Penn. That's not our original name. So when now we decide that we're free <laughs> or that the, the Queen of England or whoever decided that, oh, you're free, and, and I'm not even going to get into that part, but now, okay, I have this last name. It's already been three or four generations. I've already been on these islands. This is where I am. Now you're going to call me a Bahamian? Or when we have independence, I'm just skipping ahead through time very, very fast. Now right. it's independence through Bahamian independence, you know, through 1639, etc., all the way to 73, when we finally get independence. Now you want to call me a Bahamian? Am I, am I truly a Bahamian? Are you telling me I'm a subject? Because the word Bahamian existed before that time. So what am I? This is why I'm so interested in culture. Like, what do we call culture in the Bahamas? How can this be culture? If you give me something, I have no history with these people. I didn't enslave no one. I can't trace my family back to way back in England or even back to Africa and say that here was our crest and here was our colors and what we used to do. I can't do that. Uh You cut my Uh entire family line off. We and you and I are not exactly. You and I are not the same culturally. We are just not the same. How can I say that I'm a Bahamian when I know what you did as a Bahamian? You, when I say you as a white Bahamian, and you could track yourself all the way, track your family lineage, and used to own or. And again, you're you're embracing this within a framework that is already Eurocentric, right? So. That, that that whole idea and concept of even doing that. See, what, what people don't really recognize about the development of humanity and civilization, what me and you are doing right now, um, 10,000, 20,000 years ago, our ancestors used to actually sit and have these conversations for days <laughs> on end, for months on end. Uh-huh. You see, because when you start to realize what you're really talking about, it's like, Wait, all of this is all of this is not real. Because if this ain't real, if that ain't this ain't happen this way, if this didn't go this way, if that didn't go this way, if white people is the original Bahamians, when Bahamians start meaning black Black people, people. oh it ain't really black people, it's also uh uh white people because it's white Bahamians, but it's the people who say because of the, the, the constitution, then you was a behem. So a piece of paper make yeah, me behemoth. a behemoth. But now you say you call a Haitian's paper behemoth. Yeah. And you, it's like, well, what are we really talking about? And what I would bring in a, in a greater historical context, you realize that Europeans had the same issue that me and you were talking about right now. And ultimately, they just decided we're gonna make our own history. Oh, we don't care, <laughs> and that's all that happened. And so, if you want to take anything from 
the European. That's what I would say to do. Like, just get together and say, but it's whatever we say it is. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. So when, because even when you put it in the context of, well, I'm not an original Bahamian because original Bahamians were white. Well, they took the they took the line from the Spanish. Yeah. The Spanish was identifying it as what it was from when they discovered Tainos here, yeah. who we identify as Arawaks or whatever. Taino people all around the Caribbean. It's not one separate country. Same people that was here, same people that was in Cuba. Yeah. So when when we look now and say, well, why are we not claiming Cuba and Turks Island, who were definitely all the same people? Because when you when you look in Taino um, um, culture and tradition, you could go as far as to say all the people in the Caribbean were all the same people. Yeah. So. So now, why would you stop and say when the Spanish, when the English who got it from the Spanish, why would you stop there and say I'm not an original Bahamian? Why not identify with the the um, Taino rule or the Arawaks? The reason that you don't is because the European paradigm tells you that that's a lesser culture, yeah. and yeah. so it's insignificant as to what they and and even th- those who consider themselves in the intelligentsia. It's it's the you automatically do that. This is already programming you. You can't you can't say something smart to try to convince me it's otherwise. It's already in your head like that. So you subjugate those original people that were here and say, anyways, let's start over with the Bahamas, the Bahamas. Even doing that, you are succumbing to the the mindset of the colonizer. Now, I don't have a challenge if you say, hey, man, you got to deal with the reality on the ground. This is where the rest of the world is. That's what we can do. We could do that, but you have to do that within the understanding of what you represented. And I would say that as as African people, the advantage that we have is that we are able to tap into a spirituality that exists. And so the essence these you you've probably heard of people talking about um places about places being alive of uh different places that you go have a different uh spirit yeah. they have a different vibe yeah. they have a history the history of this line where this war was fought you feel it when you go there it's like it's talking to you if you ever go on a battlefield mm-hmm. if you ever where there was you know thousands of people who died and you could feel it when you get there. You look at the lines. All of those things are the essence of the place. And what I would say is if I was claiming this country because of, if I say this where we are, this would be got to do, I would say I was doing it in the spirit of the Arawak people, okay. in the spirit of Tainos. And I would then develop my value system based on where them and their prehistory comes from. That's that's what I would be doing. That's what I do. That's what that's how I identify. But ultimately, that's how I end up back in Africa for the value system that I carry with me. All right, I want to get on that, but I'm going to tell a story quickly about that because you made a point on that. Um, I don't like to talk politics as much, right? But when it does come up, I usually make a statement and then I leave it alone because people freak the hell out. But right. you made a, a very interesting point, what you said that the Europeans did when they said, look, here, we're going to make our own. And when 
the question is usually asked, okay, how are we going to move forward in the Bahamas? How are we going to do this and that? Like, I think how we're talking now about culture and changing pretty much the paradigm what's, what's here. And I used to come up with this concept. I said, you know what? Why don't you take persons like uh, children, I should say, like in primary school, change that curriculum where we tell them what it is. And a good example of this, and um, I hope to have someone on this podcast, uh, Darren, just be prepared. This guy is deep into Junkanoo. Here's my issue with okay. I have with Junkanoo. Can someone tell me where what's the origin of Junkanoo? Now, historically, again, I'm not too sure if you know about it. Here's what we were taught. You know, uh, Junkanoo was a time where the the slave masters or the enslavers would actually give their uh, slaves time off to celebrate. So they would come together, bring some drum, drums and beat and, you know, dance around a fire or whatever the situation may be. And said that the name Junkanoo came from an enslaved person called John Canoe. Right. right. This is what they tell us. Now, the question is this. When you hear the word canoe, you're thinking that's the person's last name. And if that's the person's last name, that means that the plantation owner had the name Canoe. But you can't find that name anywhere in history. I've been to the archives. I haven't found it. You do research online. You cannot find any any semblance of the word Canoe with K or C, whatever it be. So the question is, where did this thing come from? Why would you call it John Canoe? Where did the name come from? So there was a lot of debate on the origin of John Canoe, right? Some right. even said that, um, which is interesting, uh, another um, a show that I'm working on, it's a documentary. It's a documentary about martial arts because I found that we as a people have a specific martial art. They call it Prak Prak. So comes to find okay. out, this was actually passed on from father to son. And we call it dashing. I don't know, if, like growing up your age, you, you know, used to play dashing. Right. That's the form right. of this, this martial art. But there were moves that were hidden in dance. You know the heel and, heel and toe dance? That's actually the martial art fighting uh, technique. So a lot of our dance actually have hidden, mo hidden moves of this practice. Definitely. And, and that's a commonality in all, in cultures uh, with African exactly. historical origins. So if that's the case, this gives you a clue that what we call in Junkanoo is a little bit deeper than what we think, Right. So I said, I made the suggestion, look here, we could debate about this all day, all night. It ain't gonna make no sense. Let's just say what it's going to be. We were told what it was. We know something wrong with that. So let's say what it's going to be. Everything that we're going to do, we're going to make our history from now on. Let's say what it is. What's our culture going to be? What's our dress going to be? Let's make a decision now. Because apparently no one wants to make this decision. Let's take that, those group of people in primary school and we start teaching that. So again... By about two to three generations, we now have something substantial. We have now have something to link on to. We could now say we could trace our heritage back to to Africa, you know, and powerful, right? And that's how you start bringing everyone together. Like you say, if the person who's going to talk about, oh, we got to make this money first, like, bro, come on, man, that's not that's not where this thing go. We got to know who we are first. Let's go back to who we are. Let's start teaching that. Let's get this nonsense out ahead about the Bahamas started with Christopher Columbus because that's how people feel, you know? And, like, the world right. feels that same way, too. They feel as if the Bahamas began with Christopher Columbus. They negate the whole thing with the Taino people. They negate that whole thing like that didn't exist. You try to separate the two. That don't make no sense. So you have to start it that way. Now, let's get back to this Africa thing, okay? Um, mm -hmm. For you, for me, and let me say it like this, first of all, 
I pretty much heard about this about probably three, four years ago, and it really piqued my interest, you know. Um, I keep hearing about these different cultures in Africa, and so I dived deep into it to find out more about this and was shocked to find so much information that we were not taught, still not being taught. So it seems as if you have to discover this in order to want to learn more of it because now you realize this is who I am. This is where my people came from. Now, exactly. the surface part of, of enslavement was that, oh, we were taken from the West Coast of Africa, right? Now, the part about that oh. is that we always leave out the whole thing that where did they, the people who were at the West Coast of Africa, where did they come from? What other cultures did they come from? Because there was more, there were different cultures in that area and throughout the entire African continent. And it was a mix of different people. So now it's it's when you look at the kingdoms, like one that we know of is the Mali kingdom, kingdom of Mali. Right. Nobody uh-huh. wants Musa and how the ships he sent out and sailed pretty much around the world. His father did the same thing before him. And uh, you could go as, as far back as looking at in South America, because that's where the Taino people come in. They find in these statues, the old Max that are there. I mean, like these people being your... Years, like hundreds of years, maybe even thousands of years before any white person ever set foot on these these land masses. So right. this is the part that we are never taught. For you, how did this start for you for your research into African histories or looking for your culture? How does this start? Um right. that I could say this in, in terms of the in terms of the actual physical looking at history, not just about the thought process and the ideas and concepts, um, started around when I finished my, or as I was finishing up my master's in 2005, there were a group of uh, guys, some Americans, turns out they were actually running a scam, but well, they were they were running like a Ponzi type of situation, an mm-hmm. actual business, an investment company. Um, lots of uh, really fun history, um, politics, and everything involved in that as well. Um, but they were they were building this business. They were looking to do this on the island of Rum Key, okay. which is where part of my modern ancestry comes from. My my uh, father's father, father's father, and father's father's. I mean, sorry, my mother's father, his father, his father, and father before him from that from from Rumki and San Salvador. So, as we're doing this, um, looking at this project, and they were doing like a development. This is a hospitality tourism type of deal, um, property development, one of these like resort style things. Yeah. As as we're doing that, I started to become involved in the project. The, the project and as I'm coming involved in the project I have to now start looking at the history through legal documents surrounding these properties my family my timeline um, looking at probates of my grandfather I'm going back to you know 1800 then I go back to 1700 and I'm looking at these and these are actual people okay I can see this one I know this one was my grandfather's grandfather I know what a grandfather feels like. So I know what my grandfather did with me. So now I'm identifying this person because even though this is generations and generations removed, 
I know what a grandfather is. And so I'm saying, okay, there was this man in my grandfather's life, and this is what he did. And my my grandfather's great-grandfather, this is what he did. And he was a ship's captain, mm-hmm. and he used to um, sail to Jacksonville. Through his sail to Jacksonville, he was a black person during a period of time when not very much was going on, but he owned property. He owned a lot of it. And he started, so what was he actually doing? What what was he doing during the time when blacks couldn't have anything to where he get things? Yeah, yeah. And I started to identify with, hold on, this man's parents were slaves. Yeah. Because now I'm looking back into 1700 and mid-1700, which means your parents was born in the 1600s. It's like, you full-blown slave. So then I'm like, wait, this stuff is really not, this is not that far away because I'm actually seeing and feeling this this thing. And when that kind of started, the and it, it really never stopped from then. That was the point that it really, to me, was like, hold on. Okay. I may not know the name of so, so, and so, but if they are in this group of people that were enslaved here, this is what they were going through. This is what it looked like around that time. I could start to extrapolate, okay, these are where certain values come in. This is what certain aspects of the culture. And then it just, okay, well, if they were slave and they was enslaved from Africa, yeah. then my people are African. And so it matters to me what it was that was happening at the foundations of Africa. And from there, you know, I have a natural um, inquisitive nature, um, always looking to identify the why, how. And so it, it started from there. That was 2005 and nonstop ever since. So what do you find so far? Because I love um, it so much. Because when you finally get cross when your mind and your studies take you over to Africa and you start looking at um, in the western part of Africa upon the coastline and you hear about the Yoruba and the Igbo tribes and you try to figure out well, which one did I come from one of these or was it another one that I came from? And then you start to go further back and you realize there are other tribes in that region. And then the kingdoms. There was actually a show I watched called The Kingdoms of Africa. Um, uh-huh. This guy, man, he broke it down to like from the Egyptian to the Nubians to um, all the Europe, everything. Like he went to from North, South, Central, all over the place, just looking at the different cultures and the structures that they built was freaking amazing. That's the only word I could use. Okay. Because right, right. when you see Africa, you see some little kid with an extended belly because he haven't eaten his malnourished and they're sitting by this uh, latrine with water and, and filth all around them with, you know, these uh, tin roofs and stuff. And that's the, the, the concept of Africa. But even in modern Africa, um, some people still don't realize, like, these are major cities. Now, right. even back in the time, um, back in time, when these cultures were flourishing, they're, they're, they're not the only say the culture, it's just that the technology at that time, like, they, we, we know as, oh, the Greeks, you know, they gave us, uh, bathrooms and they show no sir 
No, sir. Way before them, you find out that these African cities had bathrooms, they had a sewage system, they had roads and streets and, and walls and, and fortitudes. And then, of course, you know, but Timbuktu, that's a place you go to study. And it's like, like, what? Why? Why don't we? Why don't we know this? Is it our own fault that we don't know this, or was this intentionally kept away from us? I mean, of course, that's a, a question that you you asking, and you know the that's... answer. <laughs> and the truth be told is that, first of all, we have to recognize that the majority of the world's knowledge information was either destroyed or stolen during the conquest, the European conquest of Africa, simple and plain. So the things that we brought into the, the, that the European brought into the known world as education and things to build on, this again was during their process of saying what is fact from what is not fact and what is history from what is not history. Now, this is them deciding what it is going to be. So when you start to say, is it our fault? Well, to the extent that Kanye West says slavery was a choice. <laughs> you know, yes, everything is a choice if you're not going to go ram your head into the stake and kill yourself rather than to be a slave. Yeah, yeah that is a choice. However, you know, if everyone made that choice, we would not be here in the form that we are. Right. So, so when you look at, is it our fault? Yes, yeah, our fault a little bit, but really and truly in the context, in the greater historical context, no, it was the fault of the evils that existed among us to destroy these things and separate us from the information. There was an agenda afoot from that time to separate the world from the knowledge. And these go back to, you know, identifying with, with the elements of power and control and why do you do these things and why whatever. That's a whole um, separate part of the conversation. But now I would say that today you have to realize the, the factors that come into play of dealing with these things. For one, on the surface level, to even investigate, you, you have to get past that point where you're saying, Man, them old timey things, man. That ain't really matter, man. You know, I deal with it. So you got to get past that layer. Yeah. And 90%, 95% of people can't get past that layer. So that is already, that's already a part of the programming, a part of the system to turn individuals who were from, from uh, my recognition of what we are brought to earth to do. Um, to identify with greatness and excellence and be productive um, in, the, in the spirit of unity with nature, to take a person from doing that to being, in essence, a slave to a system based on power and greed. That is the difference between that individual and the individual that's inquisitive and the individual that's searching out knowledge and truth. Right. So when you start to then say, all right, let me get past that and let me start to investigate, there is, in fact, a lot of work. You have to overcome your mental paradigm around how you see the world because a lot of things unravel before your eyes 
when you realize all you're doing is taking the scales off of your eyes, there's there's not uh there's not this big mysterious I can't figure this thing out. I don't know. There's an understanding. And once you come into the understanding, it's basically like everything opens up because it's like light bulb. It's, it's light in here. Now you see stuff. It's, it's not like, let me got to try and figure out this rocket science and let me got to try and figure out. No, all you have to do is turn on the light. And once the light is on, a lot of truth becomes unveiled. That's interesting. So, all right, because looking into this, right, um, and again, I'm still trying to find out more. I'm still trying to go further and further back to understand now how uh, Africa, and I'm using the word loosely because, again, I'm not even sure that's the correct name for that continent. That also has been changed. So right. looking back into Africa and how did these people live? Where where are the chances that I can figure out exactly where they come? The the DNA test, I'm not so uh sure about. Here's let me tell you why I say that, right? Because I think that they're doctored in a way. Now, here's uh-huh. a fact. We noticed you could look this up online, you could go in many books and find this information, right? I think it's no more than about 10% of Africans that were taken from Africa that made it to America. The rest, 90, I think it's like 80-something to 90-something percent were brought to what we considered the Caribbean or even to South America and stuff like that. It, like, this is a Yeah, but Bra- Brazil is actually the place that has the largest African population right. outside of Africa. So what, what bothers me about these DNA tests that people say you want to find out your ancestry, they're more American. So I'm like, what? Now, uh, there's a whole spiel about in America where they talk about um, blacks were ready in America. They were a part of the, the native Indians. So they were not brought here as slaves, but they were enslaved. They were, they were subjugated. And of course, well, you, when, you say, when you say the they, you have to remember that a part of the conversation that you have in, you, you have to identify it as a very technical conversation. Okay. And because... Really and truly, okay, this is the, the essence of it. Uh, the, the, you know, 99.9999,000 million percent of the, the known science and information in the world says that humanity originated in Africa. So the first, the first humanoid, um, species is African. So if you go from that standpoint, everyone is African. So you, you have to be able to look at when we talking about these various things and and this is where see what what happens in the dominant culture and dominant society because things are already set up the way they are set up you hear things like oh well i don't worry no matter about that and you don't know enough about that and da 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 and this don't really work like that and the the carbon data don't really work so you can't know this and that and that and all of these things yeah because again the Europeans already decided what they was going to make their history. So if we go to the status quo, then we sitting on top of their foundation. Okay. But when you start to really look deeper as to how you're having a conversation, well, for one, of course, the original individuals on the American continent, and we use these terms loosely because we have to be able to identify stuff. Right. Um, the original individuals on the American continent had no choice but to be black. Because the origins of everyone, and I say no choice, but when we talk about 
the time that individuals would have been migrating. There was only black people on the, in the world. So it, it's nothing, it's, they had no other option but to be black. When you start to talk about modern era, what do you identify with as your culture? Then, yeah, you could start to say, well, who came here during the, the 14th century, 15th, 16th, 17th century? But when you look at, okay, the American Indian people and whether blacks mix with them or whatever, you realize that you talk in about tens of thousands of years of histories yeah. and various points of migration. Yeah. And you're also talking about various points of human evolution through the, the ages. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of years. So who are you calling the original people? Who are you calling these people are mixing with Indians and native people were here and all of that. Because when you realize the people that we call American Indians, native people, they were the infusion of individuals from Asia that came across the Gibraltar Strait. Right. Now, individuals may look and say, well, oh, that's a long time ago. That's olden days. No, it's not. Those are the most recent migration. So the people who you call in the original people, they are the recent people. They're not ancient people in America. So a lot of these things we have to be able to identify first, really what's the significance of what you say in, in terms of the greater context. And because you could be saying, not you in particular, but we could be saying things that really don't have the relevance to the point that we try and to make. You see, it's, it's, but at the same time, if we start to talk science and if we start to talk anthropology and if we look into do these things, then we have to be accurate with what it is that we're talking about timelines and, and, and uh, the various phases of the human existence. See, this is why I like, this is why I like the way you talk. Like, okay. So, you know, I have this concept about the coin when people say, when someone talks about any subject and, most persons are usually biased about one piece, so they might only talk about one side of the coin. But a coin actually has about three sides, okay? You have the, the head, the tail, and then across the edge. And then the surfaces are different. So for me, I always try to look for the overview. What you just explained to me was, here's the level. Um, here's the coin, and uh, most persons talk about, here's the head, but they forget all the writing. I would step back and say, no, there's more writing around that head. So something else is going on. Oh, what's that on the edge? It look a little rough. What's on the other side? So I would see it from a higher vantage point. But you, right. you go to the point where you see the whole coin. You'd be like, but you know that coin was made up of this and that and the metals. And so you just took it to another level to the point whereas, um, although I heard that before, that did not dawn on my mind when I was just making that, uh, that, that discussion right there. Whereas right. the original people, like you said, was from Africa, the heart of Africa, and migrated. And through, again, intermixing, like you said, and these recent people that we call Indians. So I don't even have a, have a way to describe <laughs> who do I, how do you separate that? Because that's so far above the playing field. It's, again, if you're in the forest, like people say you can't see the forest with the trees. But if you right. take a bird's eye view, you see the entire forest. So here it is. You're in the forest and someone is looking at this one tree and saying, oh, this tree is so magnificent and this is that and it's growing so great. But you're like, but there's another tree next to that. Did you see that? Oh, no, I was too close to this tree. 
So when they step back, they see the second tree. And then they say, oh, well, this tree and that tree are connected. But I say, hold on. But if you step back further, you notice there are like two others in the back there. So the further you step back to the point, you say, you know what? Give me a bird's eye view. Then you realize this is a whole forest. And for your entire exactly. life, you were looking at this one tree, thinking that was the be all and end all. Correct. So when you go to that scale, when you go to, um, what's the name of the, the Lucy, that's what, that's, that's what it is, the, the, the fossil that they found in Africa. Mm-hmm. When you go to Lucy, mm-hmm. and I, I think they said they found something older than Lucy. I, I, I suppose a little right. article. But anyway, when you look at Lucy, this being, and I, I, I say being, um, which was dated more than we even expected humans to be around, that threw so many things out the window. Because the question is, well, if this is the case, and this is the one that we found by, by chance, what else is out there? How far back is, is this going to go? You know? And then you have to now speculate on, okay, what was the way, what type of tools did they make? Were they advanced, et cetera, et cetera? When did this advancement of technology happen? And then you go through history. You start from a point, which is hard to do because there's no really starting point. You just keep on going mm-hmm. back and back and back. So for me, like right now, I'm at that level where I'm trying to understand who these Africans were, who my ancestors were, what were the different tribes, what were the different kingdoms, how did they move about, what did they used to do? So I haven't even reached that point where I keep going back to that original uh, man and woman <laughs> who started everything or how did it, were they placed here? And this is when you get into spirituality, you know? Exactly. And it's a, it's a key thing. It's a key thing. I, I interject, but I, you finished. Sorry for cutting off. When you mentioned the, the whole idea of the forest from the trees and you talked about, you, you started talking about the DNA and looking at tribes of, of um, Western Africa and all of that. It really is not in that same vein. It's not my approach to keep on going back in my DNA and try to identify a tribe okay. because what I understand is that those types of that type of tracking that's in the area where most of the work was done to destroy the information oh, okay. because those were the most recent things that people could identify with touch and so when you look in uh the museums or you look at even of, of Europe and you look at the Vatican there's you know uh, uh hundreds of acres underneath the Vatican with African artifacts mm-hmm that they, they would not release. So these things, I know that the man has put their hands on to try to destroy the connection. So in your example of the forest from the trees, my whole ideology exists from, let me continue going back and back and back to where, and you, you like you say, it's a, it's a rightful kind of like lead into spirituality because you realize at the core of any point in time for any man, be it the original man, be it the or original woman, be it um, to now modern day baby just born yesterday, this morning, your spirituality is something that no, no other, it's, it's, it's larger than anything else around it more significant than anything else around it so no one can steal that from you no one can um and i say i say it in the context of the true connection that you have 
uh, uh, with those powers. And I ain't going too far into it, but it's just to say my concept is let me get to a core understanding right. rather okay. than to follow the rabbit trail of these things. Those things I find along the way and they cool and they, you know, I look at it and it's, it's great, but it really, I, I kind of jumped off of that trail um, into more of science, uh, uh, spirituality, and, you know, math and science and spirituality to get the understanding and, and the cultural core of what Africa was to get an understanding of the people on a large scale. So, okay, then I'll tell you a story. Because as you talked about that, something came to mind, right? And it's a, it's amazing. I hope more persons actually start to get out there and start studying. Because the more you start to study, the things you see in life make more sense. And um, I'm going to say this in a way, hoping that I don't get in trouble or just reach the wrong person and they take it the wrong way. If but, you say it in a way, I'll just say something worse. So <laughs> it'll take the heat off of you. Okay. But there was a point I was hired to do a job. And I went to a place out uh, west. And so I went to this home to do a job. And the person was showing me around to say, okay, we're going to go here and do this. And there's a room in this place. Many different, like, you could see these things in here are ancient. That's the only word I could use to describe them. And so the, the lady was talking to me. who was showing me around. She's a worker there, Bahamian, for her worker, black Bahamian, whatever. And she's there working, and she's just like, oh, yeah, you have some stuff inside here, but, you know, don't worry about this. And so I stopped for a second because she phased out. Here's why. There was a piece of wood leaning against the wall, and I recognized it. And it was so weird, like, probably a few months before that, no more than six months, I learned about this people in Africa known as the Dogons. And I, uh-huh. was quite, I was quite intrigued by their belief, like you say, in spirituality and their, their ability to know about the, the serious and serious being, you know, that things before equipment were designed, they knew what was up there already. Like that freaked me out. Like, how did you figure this out? And it, it right. was a traditional Dogon house door. What they do, they would carve into their door their storyline of their family. Right. And I'm looking at this like, why is this here? The person whose place I was in is not African, not even in the least, <laughs> not at all. Uh-huh. Why is this here? And I felt angry that he had, how I felt was, why do you have my people things? I don't know where this feeling right. came from, but I felt angry as to why do you have my people things, my ancestor thing. Now, I, I, I'm not saying I, I am originally a Dogon, but all I knew is where this came from. This meant something to me before right. to this woman who was also, again, a black person. This meant nothing to her, but I felt angry. And then I started to look around and I saw things from Egypt. Why do you have my people things in here? Why is this here? I really was getting upset to the point that I, I couldn't hear what the woman was saying. Because every the right. more I look around, the more artifacts I start to see, the mask and everything from different cultures, like over in Africa, not just in the western part, all the way from the northern tip, all the way to the southern part. Because through my, again, stepping away from the forest, I start to see a lot of things and I recognize these things. And I really was upset. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. 
it it that then kind of sparked me because there was nothing I could do about that. I did tell people about it and I said, you know, we got to be careful of these people coming in this country and what they bring it in. And we need to learn more so that we stop them from taking these things away from us. Like you mentioned, the 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 museums that they have under the Vatican. Um, and I'll tell you a story about my mom. My mom, between my mom and my dad, I think the only place in this world both of them have not touched is Australia everywhere else they've been uh-huh. and okay. my mom told me a story but when they went to Egypt and of course the tour guide is going to keep you in certain places but them being predominantly black in that group they forced them to take him in different places in the museums and they took him up to this upstairs room and she was telling me the things that she saw up there she's like these people black the ones downstairs you would you could be like well maybe they black they little mixed with Caucasian or whatever like that based on the facial features and so on and so forth but she say the room uh-huh. that they took them like like there was no doubt these people were black they were as we call it black you were jet black right you know that's something that we do not see we do not see that in modern movies we do not like like whitewashing is a thing because even she, she was trying her best to get pictures, but the, the guy keep on the liquor. You're not supposed to be here. Please don't get in trouble. So she didn't take right. much pictures, but she was describing the, the, the statues or the paintings and all these different things. She's like, there was no denying these people were black. Now, this is ancient Egypt. And I think you would call it Kemet at that time. You know, that type uh-huh. of stuff in there. This just, this just opened my mind to like, by, who were these people? Why did we lose all this information that they have? You know, why is it that we don't but have this? Actually, the information in Egypt is more, will you say, recent. When you when you talk about ancient Egypt, you, you have to remember, you, you talk about the Dogon um, people. Um, Dogon people, uh, they're older than the civilization of Egypt. Right. So it's not the other way around. Egypt is the most modern representation of ancient Africa. Egypt is the culmination of ancient Africa, really. So it's the pivot point between if you wanted to look at historical studies and how do you imagine all of these things or whatever, you can really look at Egypt and the modern world and Egypt and ancient Africa. As, as Egypt being the pivot point. And because it is so pivotal, this is the reason why, um, and, you know, I take a lot of information from other places, but there's Egyptology is the study of Egypt. Yeah. There is, there is no ology of no place else okay. in the world. Okay, go on, go on. There, there is no uh, Englandology. There, there is no, there's no significance to the study of any other place yeah. in the world. Okay. But Egyptology is a thing. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why would there be so, so significant place that there is a branch of science and study and intellectualism around this place. And it is because when you get the now dominant culture, understanding the power of the information that they're finding and what shaping that history, because all Egyptology is, is the whitewashing of Egyptian culture. And so the Egyptian culture is where you have the 
advancements in society that give a base and give a foundation in one place. And so when Europe decides, well, we'll just take that and we branch off the interaction of the, that period, they basically just want to muddle up the Egypt period, muddle it up and then use it as a reference to our civilization. In a sense, what they would want to do, like when people think about Greeks and Romans, they think about like Greeks, Romans, Egyptians, yeah. and they, they think like, okay, you know, they round and round, but the, you know, these ones is the good guys, these ones are the bad guys, whatever. That's how they think about it. But the reality of history is those things that you call Greek and Roman were like, imagine if cavemen went to New York City right now. That's what it was. There was not like um, someone from San Francisco going to New York City. It was like a caveman going to New York City. That's the inter that's the interaction between Greeks, Romans, and Egyptians. So although yeah, the historical lens tries to paint these civilizations as equals, and there's because it causes you to then think about. You know, well, oh yeah, well, the exchange of information, and you know, you know, is this what was going on around that period of time? It caused you to forget that if you don't know it, and that was always the intent. And so now you end up with, um, when you speak in a historical context, you think about historical figures like Plato, Aristotle, and you think about them at the origins of humanity or intelligence yes. and or when yeah. that's like me saying by my cousin and then yeah. right? <laughs> like you you don't realize what you really dealing with in terms of the timeline of knowledge and information on this planet when you really look at what you dealing with on this planet suppose donald trump say hey look here man U.S. running the world, man. We running things, man. You all see this Bible? Look here. This is the new Bible, man. Trump yeah, Bible. Trump, Trump edition. Trump edition. Who don't say it? Get it. All y'all are in your house anyway. Yeah. What I say, go, y'all can't come out your house anyway because everybody get COVID. So you can't move. You can't go nowhere or the U.S. blowing you up. And by the way, return or Eric King James Bible, new Trump Bible. That's what you're dealing yeah. with. That's, that's what we dealing with. In terms of well, why does stuff look like how does stuff look? So so we, we have to be able to picture that. So the thing is, right, um, in studies, here's the problem that I ran into. Because you know, you you would hear one person talk about it. So you get that book, you read that book, then you get another book and you read that. And there are always conflicting thoughts. It's as if it's not concise. You know, I'm, I'm, when I say books, I'm try, I try to stare away from books not written by an African person because I want it from you. I want you to tell me about my people. I don't want someone else to tell me about my people. But unfortunately, sometimes it is that someone else do the research on this thing. So you, you end up that way. But the information is conflicting. Now, timeline thing, we, we know timeline. Timeline makes sense, which is why, just like how you do with me, um, you ask me, okay, what context am I talking about or what timeline you're talking about? So, like you said, with Egypt, most people, when people think of Egypt, 
they go as far back as when the the uh, was it Mark Anthony and and Cleopatra was in there, and they think that that's it. Not knowing that even the pyramids that now we can saw the pyramids of Giza, it's like there were ones before that. You know, there were people who were there way before um, Khufu and the rest of them, who who had pyramids, and they, you don't see them because they were smaller. They were just you know evolving this thing, but they are there. So the culture goes further than where you think it begins. I I don't know if that's a default of just learning, uh, where you feel as if if a story is told, that's where the story begins, like you mentioned. Or if it's to the point that you really have to dig deeper. But my, my underlying question is, for you, how do you separate? Or is it just minor, minor, I'm sorry, as you say, critical thinking to say that three books I read, three things lying up, but there are some things where they're all different. And then you would think about it and say, okay, which one makes sense based on the information I have? Or is it just uh-huh. a continual learning thing? Because sometimes I might say, well, this is the correct thing in my mind. This is how it is. But then I would go through some more reading and find some more information and say, oh, crap, I was wrong. So I change. How does this thing work? Mm-hmm. How does this learning work where you have to continue? Is it is it where you'd be like, I know this because I, I, I do not like to talk to people who would push their belief onto you because they feel right. as if that is the end all and be all. And when you ask questions, you know, it 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 uh, it, it goes against what they're talking about. Even though you're talking about, well, what about this? Because you said this, but you didn't expound on that. And this was written here before that time. So how do you explain that? And because you, right. you, you challenge them, they get angry at you. They call you names, kick you out, say you're not learning it, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Is this a everlasting thing where you have to continue? Where do you end with this? Where do you say, you know what? I have enough information for me to know who I am. Or is it that uh-huh. I will never have enough information? I'm always learning. How does this work? It's definitely the latter. So you're definitely always learning. But there's a difference between always learning and being ignorant. <laughs> so when you start to look at the the difference between bits of information and what I could term like understandings, right? There's a, the level of thought. And, and see, you have to really look at the context of the way of thinking of our ancestors is what birthed civilization. So the, the greatness of what it was that was done is how we get, I won't even say where we, how we get to where we are now, but how we get into modern times, right? So there are fundamental streams of consciousness. So let's put it in, in some uh, context where um, if you were an individual in African culture, let's look at ancient African culture, you understand that God is a universal energy force that is both seen and unseen. That manifests itself, but also is not manifested. Now, from that kind of statement, you know everything, but you know nothing. Mm -hmm. Because everything that manifests, that you know manifests, you know is of God, which is things of nature. You can see them, 
you can um, identify mathematics and science within them. And you, you, from your experience, I'm talking from an African cultural perspective, yeah. these, are, these are of God. But in your initial statement, God is everything that is seen and unseen. So the things that you can't see is also God. So it answers itself. It's almost like a concept like infinity. Infinity is everything, but what is that? You don't know what is everything, but you can identify infinity. These, these ways of thinking is what allowed African people to kind of do what you're asserting, which is to be comfortable in what you know, but still stand on it and learn. Right. Because you're standing on principles. You're not standing on bits of information. So when you, when you have a, a stream of saying there's a polarity in the world, every, everything that is uh, um, positive, there's a corresponding negative. That's a, that's a principle that you identify. When you identify with a principle as it is above, so it is below. Wow. As it is with as it is without, yes. so it is within. These things are known to the, these are principles that you build on, that you you to yourself, you establish as knowings. And you may be wrong, but what we know from a historical perspective is that these knowings are what brought about all of the magnificence from a human perspective in the world. So if now God come and say, come out of the sky, Barat, and this one I is dealing with, ah, you all know as a behemoth all the time. Uh, that could happen. But what we know is that understanding of God being Bahamian is not what got human civilization to where it is today. So there's, there's in the essence of, of what you're saying, and, and really there's a fundamental, a fundamental issue of when we look at disparities between African and European culture is that when Europeans came into contact with African, the thing that you're alluding to now was their most significant problem. And because there was a problem of identifying with that spirit of, of the knowing and the unknown and the seen and the unseen. And because there was that problem, there was a, there was a, what we would call like a errors in translation of what it is that's being seen. You define it by your paradigm. You define it by your level of understanding. And so what we have as historical records and the historical framework, as well as the culture and the, the way of being of Europe, which is the dominant culture of the age that we live in, is really all a distorted, retarded misunderstanding of African culture, which is what brought us into the era of, of our way of being as a civilization, growing into communities, um, having uh, rules, laws, uh, working with each other, building, having educational system, math, science, spirituality, all of those things evolved as Africans. 
as African people developed civilization on the earth. No Europeans were anywhere on this planet as the evolution of humanity took place. Now that's that's a very interesting to say. Very, very interesting thing to say. Firstly, though, before we touch on that, uh-huh. because whenever you hear persons talk about Africa or anything like that, it always comes up to the point where we have this distortion through, like you say, through European concepts or, or culture, changing it. Do you think it's because, or what was the reason I should say, that they just couldn't get it? Why couldn't they get it? I mean, it's the information is right there. The people are right there. And, and Africans, even to this day, are still willing to teach people stuff. So why couldn't they get it? Like how our societies were ran how we looked at life, how we considered the spirituality of life and why everything um, flows in that direction. Why just, why couldn't they get it? What, what's going on? Was that intentional that they um, changed it or did they just can't? Why you, why you can't play your Xbox games and your PlayStation? <laughs> just incompatible. Okay. That's a huge statement. I mean, it don't get more simple than that to me. Because now what we're saying is that we are not all the same. We are told, especially in this modern era, or we're all humans. But if one set can understand spirituality naturally, I think that's why Bahamians, not just Bahamians, just black people, we are so drawn to church. That is ingrained in us. Spirituality is ingrained in us. Yeah, we may um, pervert it in some way, but that's ingrained in us. Making that statement, making it seem as if they are not the same as us. They do not have that spirituality as we do. Is that the case? That there is something for every man to identify for himself. Um, What I have come to understand and my framework of uh, what, how I look at the the world is that for one at this stage in the game, the what I would what I would term uh, when I use the words African and European, I'm talking about the earliest interaction of what we now identify as European culture with the at that point in time dominant culture of the world, which was Africa. Um, which you could start to place anywhere in, you know, the last 10,000 years, right? So when, when you start talking about that time period, then that's what I identify as when I say Europe. And, and I'm not talking about someone that have a, a EU passport or that is a British citizen right now. And yeah. this how, so it's it's always important to understand the context of what it is. Um, going around pointing and saying black, white, whatever, that's very different than identifying with the African way of understanding the world. So in the sense of the the individuals, the the um communities that interacted at that original time at the onset. I say that, yes, the spirit of the European, in the sense that we identify with spirituality, was non-existent. Wow. Wow. 
Uh, that opened up so many questions I would like to ask, but that'll take us in a different conversation altogether. That's quite interesting. I, I want to stay a little bit longer on, on understanding our culture, which is African, mm-hmm. like getting there. What was so say you say again? That's what we I say. So say yeah. you. We term on that. That's what we yeah. doing. We okay. All right. So, like you said, I just understanding where our African culture came from because they're like I said, they were, from where I am right now. I saw I see so many different uh, segments of African society. I think even if you go back to the point where you, uh, what's the words they want to use? Like I say, Kemet for Egypt or Kush. Uh-huh. For what is part of what we call Ethiopia today, or um, how far is Benin? I think Benin wasn't created at then, but the San people, you know, of South South Africa, you know, just, right. just to talk about that for a second. But the San people, I was listening to the comedian um, Trevor Noah. He had this thing where uh-huh. he went to his grandmother and he was talking to her, and so he was teaching. I can't remember who was with him, and he's teaching them two different languages that he speak in Africa, in South Africa. And he knows how to speak that, what is called that, I think it's the Kosan, that click sound. Uh-huh. Right. I, I'm really fascinated by that. Um, because I heard something by what's the guy, Brother Polite. And he was talking about uh-huh. how, how language interacts certain parts of the brain. So yeah. African languages interact with different parts of the brain that the English language does. And this is why he was saying you should, Does not, you should right. learn mm-hmm. certain languages. So when I heard that, mm-hmm. I realized how how much I had to concentrate to try to pronounce some of those words because to speak with that sound is different. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about because there's ones like what goes with your tongue, duck, with the back of your 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 teeth, and there was another one was a clock with your tongue. I just couldn't get it. But I'm like, wow, this is very engaging because my brain, I got to feel my brain just trying to figure out how to make that sound along with the, the words. Right. Now, I've, I've taken Spanish. I've done French. I've even done Japanese. And uh-huh. with my Japanese teacher, like when me and her talk together, like you couldn't tell the difference. But even the point, I remember a TV show came over. They were looking for Jap- Japanese around the world and just wanted to see what they were doing. So they came into our class. And so I was able to speak to them. And the guy asked me, uh-huh. you could hear you were trained by a woman. I'm like, what do you mean? He says some of the words you use, like ne. In Japanese, um, you would say, uh, uh, you would say something like that. But the word ne at the end was something that only women do. Uh-huh. See, I learned from her. I learned from a woman. <laughs> so I didn't right. know that. So in speaking of that, he said, he, they were, I was trying to figure out why they were giggling. It's like, oh, crap. I didn't realize that. So I, he said, yeah, Japanese men don't say that. I said, okay, well, that makes sense. Right. But I got to pick up that language easy. But this African language? Yeah, so that's what happened. Like I say, I'm surprised it went that long. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I still record and I'll continue on the same line. So, yeah, yeah listen to this Japanese language. Um, it was easy to do, but the African language is so difficult to pick up. Like, even when I tried to to hear, when you hear the Bushmen, they speak that way as well. Like um, the movie called uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy. 
the guy who's mm-hmm. in there, he speaks mm-hmm. with that language. And then sometimes you go in sub-Sahara Africa where you have uh, different tribes and you hear their language. Mind you, some are easier to pick up. I could hear it and I could hear the different dialect inside of them. So I'm like, okay, this is something to this because language, I was always interested in language and how, how words like um, with German, like certain words in German I could understand and, or Russian and things like that. And you could hear the difference between the two when you speak it because you have the same uh-huh. words in a certain way. But it involves a part of the brain that we don't normally use when we use the word English. So I have a habit of telling people, by hey, English is a made-up language because it takes words from many different languages, but it doesn't, right. it doesn't engage your brain the way it should be engaged. So in learning these things about Africa, uh, you go back, and this is where the level I, that I am at right now, just trying to understand, like what you say, what is the overall consensus or overall concept of African culture? You know, mm-hmm. um, when, they're, when and really, really and truly, the the to look at something like that, you realize that we're talking about, you know, really tens and hundreds of thousands of years of history. Right. So, so to really be then saying, you know, like I just want to understand what it is, like that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> so. Sucks. When you when you look at it, and I'm not I'm not huge on languages or whatever, you know, I speak basic, basic Spanish or what's not. But in terms of my uh, ability to understand various principles and languages, I'm not deep into that. But the framework of what you say is all factual. In that, when you look at the origins of communication, what is it that caused you to make sounds to communicate with others, and what are you doing that about? And then you recognize, well, language is about an identification of nature and the communication around nature is going to evolve in a way where words have a very deep significance and tie-in. Again, speaking is about a frequency. Yeah, yeah. okay. So you're tying in to natural frequencies. When you're talking about African original and ancient languages, you're tying into frequencies. Frequencies are what everything that we see is a representation of a frequency. Model is a representation of energy at a particular frequency. So everything around us is operating at frequency. So wouldn't it then go to a meaning that the way you say something, the pitch, the tone, means something. And so when you ask the question about why could they see and not identify with whatever it is that was happening, it's because we're on two different frequencies. The frequency is the issue. And so when you now try to interpret something that's on a different frequency, you can't pick up another radio yeah. station. When you want 99 jobs, you won't pick up 105. You pick up 95 or 99 or 99. 100 jams on 100 jams. So it, it goes down to that. When you understand and you have to bring in your science and you have to bring in your understanding of biology and all of these things. But when you do that, you recognize some of the things that we look at that so mysterious and no matter we are humans, man, no matter we got to be like this. It really, you start in with 
a faulty understanding from the beginning. You're not looking for answers. You're not looking for the truth. You operating with an understanding and then you trying to identify how that understanding comes to bear. And that's not really that's not really the way that critical reasoning take, takes place. You know. So I I love humanity. I love people. I've interacted with Europeans and different cultures and Spanish people. I, I mean, my best friend, the person that I've known the most in uh, life, that I've done the most things with in life, is heritage from Chile. Right. He's a person that made him go back over 30 years wow. and best friends on. So do you think I want to uncover something that then says, oh man, you know, they racist, man. <laughs> I, don't, I can't, I'm not putting my feelings into what it is that happened in history, in the world. Um, you know, I've, I've, when I look at things like interracial dating and this, I've, I've had white girlfriends, I've been a part of white communities, and I don't go over there with no animosity and feeling, but that don't change what the facts are. And these facts are the thing that we don't want to look at is what get us here in the first right. place. It wasn't a it wasn't a couple of people who decide, man, we're gonna enslave blacks. It was the institution of the colonies. And those the institution of the colonies is still what exists and dominates the world today. So the institution of the colonies said that black people are not human beings and we're going to treat them like animals and kill them at will. The institution, you know what that means? That's, that's everything. That's the whole country. That's the whole government. It's all they're saying that. So it's not no couple bad apples. It's, it's not that. With spirituality, uh-huh. like we we like I said before, um, we notice like here in the Bahamas, we could always say, like Bahamians are very spiritual people, and this is why we gravitate. I wouldn't say this why. Sorry, it's one of the reasons why so many people gravitate to the church because they're looking for something. They're looking for that one thing that that spirituality that we're missing that that natural connection to the divine or 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 what people call the universe or whatever you want to call it. We're just always looking for that connection that we've lost. So when you when I went back again, back to Africa and started looking at different um, religions, and again, that's modern time when you really look at it. That's, that's as far as I could get. Because they were talking about how Christianity spread. And you go back, okay, the Muslims used to be there. Then, okay, you go back. There were people that they call animists. And then there are so different ones. But... As you try to go back, I'm starting to see where before the institution of religion was placed over these these people, that they just believed in nature. It was like natural nature. You know, uh, things happen in a rhythm. They understood the rhythm. They connected, like you say, with the divine. And that's the way that they lived. They lived on that plane of one with nature until uh-huh. these institutions came in and, and you it separated everything is like you want to say god is this but earth is that and the two don't mix but god created the earth but you don't supposed to mix them together but when in africa these people it's like all is one way all is one just like you and i are one and speaking of one i i was looking at water right and i don't know how i got on the subject of looking at water 
But I just wanted something about what I just wanted doing some research on. So I ended up getting deep. I mean, months looking into this thing. And I came to the conclusion water is not water. Because I'm still trying to figure out what water is. Now, here's why I say that. Um, okay. Here we're on a planet where uh, what, we're 98% water. Let me look at our body. Our bodies are pretty much the same thing, about 96, 98% water. But there were tests done on water. This guy in Japan, um, I remember the last name was uh, Kaku or something. No, it wasn't Michikaku. It was, um, anyway, it'll come to me later. He did this experiment with different glasses of water. He took water from a pitcher, poured it in different glasses, in three different glasses, and then he separated all three of the glasses of water. One, he said, oh, you're beautiful. You're so lovely. You're so sweet. You're going to take care of my body. He said this every day. I, wish, I can't wait till I come back and talk to you. He did this over and over and over and over again. The second glass mm-hmm. of water, he said, you're so ugly. You're so, you taste so bad. You just stink. You just make me mad. Just use negative terms towards this water, talking over and over and over again. And then the third was controlled. Said so nothing to it. So over a period of time, he came back. What happened? The water he spoke well to literally became sweet. He didn't add nothing to it. It was in a nice uh, um, sealed device. Didn't do nothing. All he could do was just talk to it. The water actually tasted sweet. The properties in the water, I think they call it structured water. The water took on a certain structure when they actually tested Uh it. Then he looked at the water he's talking bad to. The water was rancid. It smelled bad. It was like it was a, a stagnant pond. This just by talking to it. And of course, the control stayed the way it was. So he said, this ain't make no sense. So we did another test. Did the same thing with another pitcher of water, poured in the three, did the talks over a certain period of time. Then he froze the water and he wanted to look at the crystals. The crystals in the water that he talked nice to were like beautiful designs, like intricate designs. Like how people say a snowflake is each different. It was like that. Right. Very nicely structured. The one he spoke bad to had no structure. It was just blobs. It was nothing. He was like, what the hell just happened? How can you just talk to water and this happen? So anyway, so they want they did some more studies on this. Another test, test that they did, they took a monk and um, I don't know what they call the other guy. He wasn't a monk, but he was a spiritualist. He was able to meditate on a certain plane, etc. So they took them. One dude was in South America. The next one was in Asia. And they had them, they hooked them up to all these equipment just to test their body, their body functions, their heart rate, uh, their, their brain uh, wave patterns, et cetera, et cetera. And they just asked them random questions and they, they just never sink, never sink, never sink. And then they started looking at a certain picture. They said, okay, um, look at this picture. Here's the place of this, whatever in the world. We want you to go there in your mind. And amazingly, their brain patterns synced right up. So they're like, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. that's interesting. So then they say, okay, here's a picture where this other person is, and then give the other guy a picture where he was. They say, he wants you guys to see if y'all could somehow link on, an- on another plane. The guy in Asia was able to tell the people there what the guy in South America, what was around him. And the same thing, vice versa. Their, their wave patterns linked together. And it's like, well, how is this even possible? This don't even make sense. Of course, they still study and thinking it was a fluke. They say something wrong with this. Now, the third mm-hmm. one that really freaked me out again about water, where they say water has a memory. I'm like, what? What the hell is this? This French scientist, he got kicked out of the scientific community because they couldn't believe It's like, but you're talking fool with this nonsense, but water has memory. But he's able to scrap a couple of dollars and he did some tests. Here's what he did. He took 
um, he's his place is in France, and he went with someone in Italy, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was Italy. Another scientist over there. So, again, take a, a beaker of water. They took everything out of it. So it was pretty much like, um, we call it uh, distilled water. There's no no mm-hmm. dissolved solids in it, nothing inside of it. Pretty much as, as, as little as nothing in this water. Then he right. took this, uh, some DNA from a person with cancer and put it in the water and mixed it up, right? Then he's able to put sound to this water. And what happens is he converts the sound that goes into the water, because no water um, sound, water distorts sound. And he was able to record mm-hmm. this sound on a CD. Takes the CD, put it in the computer, and send it as a MPEG file to Italy. So the persons in Italy took, again, distilled water, nothing inside of it, put it in the beaker, took this sound, and played that sound back to that water. Guess what they found? The same DNA that was in France. They was like, what mm-hmm. the frick just happened? How is that even possible? You know? Right. So I was just like, I don't know what water is. Water is not what we think it is. It's like, why do we need it? Why is our body made of it? And what he is theorizing is that water was here from a long time. So water knows where it goes. Water knows when it rains. It knows everything. And this is how you connect on a certain plane, through water. And this is the, the consensus that he's coming up with. He's, he's actually doing more studies in this. Now, watch this, though. Watch this. Mm-hmm. In Africa, they was doing this thousands of years before even the first computer was made. They understood how to right. do this. So I'm like, what the hell? How is it that a people that we consider to be um, uncivilized, with no education, but this is what they were doing? They understood, like you said, about sound and frequencies, because that's where I want to go with this. They right. understood that if your mind and my mind get on the, an exact frequency, we're working together. Like, we can share thoughts without even talking. They knew this from a long time. This is what they call shamans. You know, if, if, a, if a religious mm-hmm. place would see them, they call them witchcraft. You know, because they don't understand what they're doing. Right. But these people were able to go on a different plane to see what's going on. This is how the Dogons were able to tell you Oh, when you look at the dog star, no, there's another one that when the, I forget the guy name, he went there. He's like, "What do you guys think you're there?" And they said, "Are we from Sirius or whatever?" And he said, "No, there's another star behind that." And the guy was like, "No, it's just one." So when they finally got a telescope right. there and look at it, he's like, "Oh crap, there is another one." These people knew this before there was a telescope. <laughs> like, yeah, like how do you supposed to you when I say you, not you, but you as a person, supposed to to look at. African cultures, like I say, hundreds of thousands of years ago, who were able to do these things, and you look at yourself now and be like, "Boy, I feel dumb." <laughs> exactly, but you you have to recognize when you start. See, we don't know the power, the power of what you say, and see when you when you when we talk about it like this, it's like quirky science, or you know, man, that's cool, or whatever. But we understand. This is the foundation of the reason. When you talk about the, the um, what are they not understanding? They, being Europeans, interacting with African culture. You could imagine what you're describing right now. You could imagine a caveman trying to understand that. <laughs> this, is, this is, again, we're, we, we're looking at these things because from a historical context, we're imagining 
white people, black people, Chinese people, Indian people, we're imagining everyone evolving along the same plane. And we're imagining, all right, yeah, man, and then you know things, I know things, and, you know, we basically know the same kind of stuff, man. You fly a rocket, I get a rocket, and whatever. We discover space and yeah. at the same time, and that's how we think. But the reality is, is what you're talking about. The age that we live in today is a devolution. It's the de-evolution yeah. of mankind. But the age that we are in today is lesser than it was when in, in 3,000 years ago. It's less. So we, don't, we can't put that in our mind because to us, from all we know of history, we've been progressing. Yeah. We are primitive. Yeah. And now we need to invent and invent and we're making this better. Now we get a car. Now we get a plane. Now we, we think because we injected with the Europeans' agenda, which is that they are making civilization great. They are the dominant society from history when it was primitive until now when it's advanced. It's all an ego trip. It's, it's all an ego trip. When you get to the place where you come upon a thing and it's so magnificent and science and technology, and all of these things are already discovered. All of the, the medical practices that what you're doing, birth control, abortion, all they've been doing these things for thousands of years. You're right with that. And speaking about birth control. C-sections. Yeah. Well, all of these things. You, but yet, when you look in documented history, Every doctor taking the Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. Well, Hippocrates, Hippocrates study in Africa. So who you was learn from when you study? You was learn from a junior? You, you no, you learn from master exactly. teachers, institution. And if the master teacher say, this thousands of years on science, who is you to then come and say, no, I invent yeah. this? Rewriting history. Wow. You know, that's an interesting point that you talk about, about the evolution of mankind or certain cultures, I would guess, or just the way we are. Um, I was reading an article just recently, I guess we locked down during COVID, so I'm catching up on a lot of reading. And I think the article name was The Missing 100 Years. And what they were saying is that we are 100 years behind where we should be based on the, the advent of technology. Um, even space travel, if you want to go that far and talk about that. But they were saying that we we are being held back. And the question is why? Now, I just brought that up as a as, as a something interesting because, again, I feel as if we're being kept dumb anyhow when you think about it. But uh -huh. when, you, when you're talking about that, um, about the de-evolution of mankind, anything like that, there was a movie I watched years ago because I like older movies. And I was kind of shocked that it was it was actual how they made this movie let me tell you why i say that um sydney poitier uh i'm not i'm not talking about the one they say what is the slap heard around the world that was that was amazing by the way but he <laughs> have a movie called the long ships i memorized the name because i was so shocked that they allowed a black person to play this role in fact okay. he was like the only black person in the entire movie but it was based during the muslim reign in um africa and europe and especially like in Spain and stuff like that. So he was a Muslim 
wealthy beyond means. He had white slaves. He had them looking for this bell, this this mythical bell that was made of pure gold. That's what the whole movie's about. But I was so intrigued uh-huh. that he played that role so well. I'm like, I've never seen a black person in a position of power the way he played it in that movie. That's how that's how um amazing this movie was to me. Okay. Like he said it and uh-huh. it got uh-huh. done. I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be. Like I somehow resonated with that. Like we always feel as if we are lesser people. And I guess like you said, like we talked about so far, it's been ingrained in us that way. You know, it's the culture that was given to us. It's not our natural culture. But he in that movie played a role that was powerful. He was wealthy. He had kingdoms. No, not just one, because he was a conqueror, you know? And right. he used to subjugate people and they were it's like, wow, how did the roles get switched? You know, in this movie I'm talking about like this, why how did they, did uh Hollywood even allow this out? Because it was talking so much truth. You know? Yeah, but it's talk it's talking truth based on history. Yeah. So see, you recognize that there's different factors at play when you start to talk about Hollywood and depictions and see there's there's various elements yeah there's an element of the programming and uh, but there's also like you alluded to why why this person who is not an African of African things and yeah yeah it's like yeah you want to marvel at the truth even though you want to live and exist in another reality because that's where you're that's where you're uh uh all of you pushes you in a certain direction but you still want to marvel so even from what you're describing to me um you realize that there were many black kings and conquerors in europe but so that's just facts of history right. and in your there was a point in time there's not like uh there's not like uh, racism was a spell on the universe. Racism and white supremacy is a design. It's a plan. It's an orchestrated effect. So there was a time when black people and white people used to just walk around yes. and everything cool. You're right. There was, there was so actual picture there, about there that. There was no... Um, the, I, I'll post it later, but there's a photo they showed of, of a marketplace I can't remember where it is, somewhere in North Africa. And they showed, again, the era it was, if you were riding a horse, that means that you came from a, a certain type of family. You came from a wealthy family. And so when I looked at the picture, there were black people dressed a certain way in their own garb, riding homes, riding riding horses. I'm like, what? Who were these people? Because you know, only noblemen used to ride, ride horses. Sometimes the squire used to run alongside the horse. You know, even mm-hmm. in Japanese culture and other cultures like that, you used to ride along the horse because if you were on a horse, you were pretty much royalty. So, but I did not know this. This is why I think it was so shocking for me to see it. I had to see it first before I could say, was this real or was this fictional? And I had to do research right, on this. Like, right. let me go find out what was going on. Like you said, you find out there were, I mean, like, I, again, I was amazed by Mansumusa. I mean, that was his title that this dude was crazy wealthy. You know, this dude had the whole Mali kingdom and the things that he did, even his father before me, I mean, he surpassed his father right. in the kingdom, but I mean, what? why are we not 
again, just asking the question, why are we not taught these things, man? You know, as black people. We're not taught because it's powerful. That's, it, that's the thing. See, when you, we look at these things, but we don't want to, we don't want to um, kind of, we don't want to emote. We don't want to verbalize. We don't want to really think about what it is that these things are obviously showing you. So it's like, why aren't you taught it? Yeah, because the people who encountered your ancestors and put them into slavery, they want you to stay like that, bro. So what we are taught is that ain't no more they. You see, that, that's the problem, is that we taught ain't no more they. Everybody cool. Everybody understand, man, we are people, man, red and yellow, black and white. So you taught that. But the evidence of history don't show that that's what's going on. I don't mind that if the, the proof is in the pudding, but this pudding tastes, uh, I know, this, this, this ain't taste right. So the thing, okay then, watch this though. Like I said, that movie, The Long Ships, that's why it's, it's why it shocked me. And I'll give a contrast to that. You know, people made a lot of noise about the movie, The Gods of Egypt, because they had a lot of white persons inside that. And pe- I mean, like people really went off the handle with that. But, Here's the funny part about it, right? When I watch certain movies, and I'm usually shocked when certain things are allowed out. There was another movie with Morgan Freeman. And, um, oh, Jay, I can't remember the, the guy's name. I can't remember the name of the movie. I'll, I'll come for it later. But there was a point where he was sitting outside of this gate. Of course, this is based like in Ireland or something like that. Um, I don't know what century then, but based on their clothing, could have been 12th, 11th century, something like that. So he's talking to this blind mm-hmm. guy. And the guy was like, oh, these guys, these Moorish people are coming here and they're taking over and they're doing this and doing that. Then he say, sir, your voice is weird. Where are you from? He say, I'm Moorish. And like, homeboy, like he turned completely white. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Moorish? What the hell is Moorish? <laughs> so that led me to open up a book and be like, more. What is a more? And it's like, oh, crap. These people were black. So it's like, how? Right. Again. I don't trust Hollywood. So when things like that get out, I'm like, I wonder if they intentionally did that so that they can help people. Like, but you all need to learn, learn your own culture. You need to figure out exactly no, what's going there's on. No, it's, no, it's not a matter of no getting out, you know. Everything comes from something. You can't, you can't make a thing and it don't have nothing in it. So you can't, you, you can't, you can't just make a, a, to, for something to have an impact, for it to have authenticity, you have to be able to tie something into something to give it that substance. So the fact that a more is interjected into the story is meaningless. It's the significance of what the Moors were within Europe that is the point that is not discussed. The fact that they are there was never an issue. But the fact of even even people that imagine they know about Moorish culture, we say more, they've transitioned more into an Arabic creation, an Arabic yes. black person. Yes. But that's not the truth of what Moors were. Some of the Moors were Arabic because the b- before you have Black African people, the same people who you think is Uga Booga, before those people were going into Europe, the infiltration of the, the religious institutions, don't forget, for someone to be Arabic, 
you already have Christianity. If you already have Christianity, you already have uh, you you already have Hebrew. So when you these things are coming from out of the influence of religions already taken from Africa, dealt with in a European context and reinserted into Africa from you have an Arab. And that's the things you have to look at. So these people coming out of Africa, some of them were Christian. Some of them were Arabic. What we identify as those people. Because we have to remember, these people could have any system of belief. Right? But when you are at a point that you are dominated as a culture, um, I don't, I don't uh, uh, ascribe to wearing a mask and staying inside my house and staying six feet away from yeah. people, but I'm doing it. So you could call me a, a member of the COVID, anti-COVID community, but that's not what I am. So when you identify these people and you identify them by certain practices of what they're doing, remember these people assimilating into cultures. So now that you back into there, remember that Europe is coming from a point, and at this point where you're talking about interaction between uh, between Africans and Moors in Europe, you're already talking about advanced kind of uh, 1200s, 1300s. You're already talking about these ages. That's modern yeah, history. It is. Yeah. So in in that aspect of things, those individuals are bringing their culture. They're bringing their practices from Africa. When, when Europe at the time is taking the belief system, because see, they understood that our power was in our spirituality. They understood it because the mind that they are working with quickly calculates the power dynamic quickly calculates the what we what we would want to call the evil and how to deal with warfare quickly calculates mm -hmm. that you busy operating on love intelligence on togetherness community that's where your mind is african the mind of the european at that time is is genius in what we now call warfare and not not a evolved genius I'm talking about a brute. This is all on my mind. Mm. So at that point in time, the only way that you're seeing it's like if you have a you have someone come into your community and they infiltrating and or the whole time, all they thinking, someone go into politics. And the whole time they thinking, right? Well, see how these tools just go by this, get these contract, and with these contract, all they do is get this money signed off from government and boom, next thing they millionaires, man. So you could have someone out here doing a community event, giving out harm for, for uh, uh, Thanksgiving and Turkey, Christmas giveaway, looking after the community. But in his heart, all he's trying to do is get a million dollar contract. He could be doing the actions of anything. And this is what it is. What happened to us is that Europeans encountered us and started doing actions where we think, well, if he is helping to feed the poor, he is a man that wants to help us. But they on their mind saying, no, I get that on my side. 
and then I steal all the money, <laughs> and then I steal all the power. And that mindset, because it wasn't a part of our dynamic, we had already evolved away from the basics of human existence. We are, and we evolved away from there tens of thousands of years. It's not like, oh well, yeah, man, we just stop, we just stop killing the wood and, and taking a food. No, we already evolved away from the point where we know that this is an earth of abundance and there is enough here for everyone. We already evolved to this point where we understand that living together in harmony, living together with a collectivist mindset, taking care of the least among us, bringing everybody on one accord, we already know that that is what transcends into greatness and excellence. We already know that. So the fact that somebody come in now with prehistoric thinking is something that we miss. And so when you get individuals now and you start off talking about the Moors, the Moors come from the experience in Africa of culture. I was, I was um, cracking jokes with someone on Facebook the other day because um, they found this, uh, they found this uh, uh, article or whatever, or it was a post. And then the people in the comments were replying to the post because the post was saying something about just finding out, like, when you go in the shower, do you wash your legs? And she was just so surprised because the people who was responding was like, what would I wash my legs for? Like, they don't really get dirty. <laughs> and they were, they were like, um, yeah, well, when I wash my under my arms and my neck, the soap goes down to my legs. So what do I have to wash them for? And she was just amazed. Like, what do you mean that you don't scrub your entire yeah. body? But I was telling her at the same time, you do realize that there are communities that don't use that thing you call a wash rag, yeah, right? That they just rub soap on their body. So, and rub their hand on their skin. And she was like, what? <laughs> and then I, I went back and I'm showing her. Queen Elizabeth I was known as the cleanest woman of her age. She bathed four times a year. <laughs> she was known as the cleanest woman in England. She bathed four times a year. <laughs> so when you talk about now, what are the Moors doing? Well, the Moors are the ones that are taking the culture of hygiene, yes. scented oils, designing your bathrooms, what you talk about yeah. before. This is where the tie-in happens. Like, we already know, uh, buddy, you don't keep animals inside running around in the house. They get different germs. You keep them in a separate area. And the Moors are going into Europe and telling them, bro, you have chickens and sheep in your house. No, you can't do that. And this is what the Moors are doing throughout England. So as those, and, and always, we have to keep in context too. We're not at this point looking at this, oh, I better than you, oh, I richer than you, oh, you black. Or, we're not looking like that yet. So when you now have someone that is telling you these things and you're seeing the benefit of what they're telling you, these people become revered. These, these people are individuals that you look to for information. As the, as the, the uh, 
institution or the, the collective that we call Europe, these people remember the, the things that we see in the movies called the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages and all of that. That is a design period where the institution of racism and white supremacy was destroying the blackness of the earth. Mm. They were destroying the black knowledge of the earth. There was no, when they paint those periods of time, they make it seem as though there was ignorance and then we had a renaissance right. when, no, there was no renaissance. There was you pulling out the stuff that you stole and representing it as if this is what you know. You're re-educating the people that you already finished taking information away from. It wasn't a discovery of humanity that now we're doing these elaborate paintings and listen to the music now and look at how mathematics and thinking and now we're thinking, no, it wasn't that. You pull out the test papers that you stole, you pull out the encyclopedias that you stole and start reading it to people that you had subjugated and in bondage for 500 years. And I'm not talking about black people at the time. I'm talking about the known world, the, the dominated world, European culture. It's Europeans who don't know how to read at this time. Not Africa. Africa is well-versed reading and writing. Well-versed. Europeans do not know how to write, to read and write in the Middle Ages. When you look and you see the king scribe, and only one person in the town could write and, you know, you get a letter and someone got to read it to you because you get a thousand people and one person could read. And that's Europe's history. In that same point in time, uh, Africans live in like New York. Yeah. <laughs> you know what this sounds like, right? Like, as you're talking, I'm building this picture in my mind. And what it what came to mind amazingly was Star Trek. Now. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Trekkie, okay? I like Star Trek. Um, okay. There is there are different versions, not versions, different um, different timelines for Star Trek. You know, with Captain Craig, that was the first one. And then they came up with other ones. You know about the new, the next generation with Jean-Luc Picard. And then there's the other ones that people don't really know of. For example, there's one uh, version of Star Trek called Enterprise. And what this was, this is between... Captain Kirk and Jean-Luc Picard, right? So they're trying to show how mankind went out and started to explore um, the known universe or in their, in their solar system. But watch this, though. One thing they keep talking about, every time they come to a new species, they would say, oh, we humans have evolved. We are no longer greedy. We're no longer warlike people. We, for exploration, we want to do this. So while you were talking, I'm like, Flip, you mean we were Star Trek before anything ever happened? And so, like you said, with the de-evolution, so we were ready to that point where we were just for exploration. We understood the we understood astrology, astronomy, however you want to call it, which one. We understood earth science. We understood, like you say, mathematician, writing, all these things, um, um, civilization, and started to spread for a while. And then, like you say, a brute. And the words that came to my mind, I think the Visigoths, I think that's the people I can't remember. Uh -huh. They came down like, I, I'm thinking of them because they were just very rude people. That's the only word I could use, you know, killing anything right. that they could. Um, come down 
And when you said the dark ages, like again, something else clicked, like flip. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what the movie name was? It was a movie where the guy was going around from place it wasn't even countries and nations it was just freaking just conquering everybody i can't remember the name of it but the whole point was he was just um conquering different people and Uh any knowledge that they have he would destroy because he was writing his story and i'm like because when i watched that i was like this is probably what happened during the dark ages when you said that just now like all that click like you're right they freaking just destroyed everything that we were and started to take over and write their own knowledge because um even in church, they would say the dark ages have been God been quiet. I'm like, that didn't even make no damn sense. I'm like, I'm thinking that that's where they just stopped. They took all those books from that time and burn it. <laughs> so you have no exactly. idea what happened during that, t- that time. And then now all of a sudden you come up with this whole new book that changes everything. You know? So like you say, with, with Trump, Trump come up with his own, his own version. <laughs> Someone came up with their own version, King James. And he wrote what he thought that you should know. You put inside there, say, nah, you don't need this. Take that out. Okay, you can use that. Because then we have these things called like the lost books of the Bible, the, the lost the scrolls, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of stuff. There were a lot of, it's just amalgamation of different um, writings that I could go into the Bible. But that right. whole Dark Ages point, that make more sense than you realize. Like I said, uh, the African continent was literally the concept of Star Trek. We're out for exploration. We've reached a point in our civilization where... We're now just exploring. We, we've explored more. We still want to find more. We're into knowledge and spirituality right now. We've put against our side. Because before you mentioned um, about, okay, the Europeans being that brute. And it did come to mind. I'm like, hold on. But the, when you talk about the, uh, the Bahamian Prakpra, um, I have a whole book. I have a couple of books on it on, on fighting styles of Africans. So okay. like in Egypt, they had a very interesting fighting style with very interesting weapons, with bladed weapons and wooded weapons. But they could not defeat their neighbors to the north. I think it was the Nubians who had a form of stick fighting. And I've seen that before. The stick fighting is very, very precise. And I say that kind of makes sense. And then you move um, up to the West Coast where they had a lot of hand-to-hand combat and, and like we call dashing which is where we get that from, the Prak Prak. And now uh-huh. in South Africa, with the Zulu, they had, uh, and of course, we all know, what, what my boy name, I can't remember his name now, from the movie, uh, Shaka. Shaka. Shaka, yeah. <laughs> you know, they had, they understood shield and sword and fighting and running, and they understood warfare, but that timeline was a bit different. So all that came right. to my mind, it's not like, no, that's a different timeline. This is after they had no other choice, and they had to do these things, and kingdoms were separated. But that, Exactly. And to remember that the the way that you're describing the warfare is one thing, because when we talk about terms of engagement, even now today, like you have terms of engagement, you fight a war, but you fight it a certain way. So, yes, if there is a a, um, dispute, if there is some resolution um, on something that cannot be resolved and there is an establishment that, hey, we have to have some form of war. And I, I actually, it's a, it's a, I hope it don't take us far off, but it's related to this because I started to try to imagine a scenario where, because people would say, oh, y'all, this carry on like Africans wasn't fighting Africans and that's just how people was and that's just whatever. And 
the idea that I in my mind came up with, with was this. Imagine you are um, on a road walking, whatever, and you turn your head to spit. And you go to spit, you're spitting. You already made your mind up that you're spitting. And as you turn, there's a woman that's in front of you. You can't stop the spit. It's just spitting. And so this woman is there and she tells her husband, hey, shot, spit at me. And you go and explain to the gentleman when he approached you, I'm sorry, didn't spit at your wife. It wasn't something intentional. I was going to spit and she appeared. He said, no, man, I can't be so. What you mean you're going to spit? You have to admit that you're going to spit at my wife. You spit it out, she see you, and her sister see you. And you say, sir, if I admit to that, that would make me a liar. I'm, I'm not, I didn't intend to spit at your wife. I am sorry because I may have spit in her direction. That's an element where you could understand, hey, there ain't no real right or real wrong. There's principles at play here. And those principles may be at odds. Because a man may be feeling like he is honoring his wife. He won't accept your, um, he will only accept your apology. You may apologize, but you're not apologizing for the thing that it is that he feels you're supposed to apologize for. And as a result of that, you say, hey, before this go any further, before your children and my children get involved in making this a few, there's only one noble way for us to deal with this. That's me. That's that's our yeah. fight. It may be a fight to the death, but it dies right here. And on your honor, as men, you just decide we're not bringing the communities into this. We can't agree, and one of us, one of us, have to be the one that that it goes so. And you just fight. Someone get killed, and that's mm-hmm. that. These are the kinds of things that would have been taking place in our communities. So when you're now looking at, oh, yeah, we have tribes of people and they know warfare and they know the things that they're doing are basically about they're around the, the essence of excellence again. So you're not arming yourself to go and take over the world at any cost. What you're doing is setting up your self-defense. What you're doing is setting up your physical well-being, um, internal disputes in the in the tribe. In, in the community, um, ascensions to different positions of leadership, all of these things are what you create in this element of these fighting styles and these, all of this comes into one. It's not where the intent is for me to become the best weapon in the world so that I can go and impose my will on others, right? When, and and it's, it's, I'm not that deep into martial arts, but when you look at martial arts, it's always about Hey man, why you want to learn how to do these things? You look that you want to go beat somebody up, then you can find people in you, you, the masters of the masters, and you go to them and say, "Yeah, um, dude's picking on me, and and I just need to go on with my business." They, they're not going to take you on as a student. This is about learning your discipline. It's about learning understanding of habits. It's understanding of precision, excellence. That's the core of what these things are about. So it's very different in terms of, all right, 
you know, a warrior and an army and what they're capable of versus what ended up turning into warfare in our age, which is anything goes. By any means necessary. <laughs> exactly. That's interesting that because even Malcolm X said that, and I, th- I don't think to look at it at that point, it makes more sense why Malcolm would say that. Because he's like, but we're trying to play fair. We're trying to go by some rules that don't longer, no longer exist. And if we want to, to get out of this situation by any means necessary, we have to fight the battlefield based on what's being played. So we playing, we uh-huh. playing chess because they playing chess. That's, you can't win that game. That makes sense. Yeah, yep. that does make a lot of sense. Very much. And, and as you bring it up, similar experience with African Revolution in 80. Mm-hmm. It's that these people realize, hey, you, you can't ask these people for nothing. And of humanity, you cater into a humanity saying, I wonder why these people don't just understand. That's my yeah. child. You mean they can cut my child head off and just kick it over the cliff? Come on, who would do such a thing? You trying to reason with that. And it wasn't until that point that these people was like, wait, guess what? All us dead anyways, you know. Let's do this thing. <laughs> and they calling upon the ancestors and calling upon the traditions of what you explaining from the, the African perspective, yeah. calling on all of them. And it's the reason why when we look at voodoo is, is outlawed in the colonies is because voodoo is what was used to defeat the European powers. Voodoo being the amalgamation of the African spiritual practices as well as your natural medicines and different things because, of course, people were poisoning soldiers and doing all these different various things. All of those things combined is what defeated the Europeans. So, of course, in their colonies, they're going to say no more of that. And we adopted these things of saying that is evil. No more of that. Because we adopt their mindset, of course. That's what they impose on. We have the mindset of the 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 colonizer, France Fanon, black skin, white mask. That's us. So when people look at, oh man, we ruling ourselves. How do you politicians? We get black politicians. They take it. No, no, no. They white. They they ain't black. They're not African. They're not operating on the frequency of. Uh, uh, um, our understanding. They're not operating on the, the, um, uh, frequencies of truth, justice, order, harmony, compassion, reciprocity, the principles of ma'at, balance, justice. They're not operating on that. That's African. Yeah. So when you look at your leader, it might as well be the colonizer. Same thing. But the skin, you see the skin and call it black. But you ain't understand it in the skin would make you one thing or the next. It's the frequency you operating on. Yeah, because once you adopt once you adopt that system, that especially in our, our governmental system, once you adopt that, like you in that. And like you say, you, you practice it? that you practice something physically, sooner or later, spiritually, you're gonna go in that frequency anyhow. So it's exactly. like practicing lying. That's why people say, Boy, a thief is a, a, a what is it? Lie is a thief is a murder. Because you exactly. go on the frequency based on what you're doing. So, damn, that's it, serious. <laughs> that's really serious. And that, 
It we is. can't even anyway, like I said, I'm like the talk politics because we can't even I don't say we can. It's so difficult for us to to change our laws which we know has to be changed. That they were not written for us. We were written for us to fail. To stay but it's it's very much tied in, it's very much tied into where you start off with spirituality, because then you get to the context of the reality that the religion in the form that we know it today was contrived as a tool against us. So ultimately all of the all of the packaging and the marketing around the Greco-Roman version of Christianity is those are where the trappings are. It don't even have anything to do with the actual book and what you believe and it's around the marketing and the trapping. It's all in that is to where you can't change your laws because what you mean, um, capitalism is the best system <laughs> and then democracy, democracy, name me a country would ever been without a democracy. Who's to do? Because you stand in in their lens. And so in your mind, you get democracy, communism, socialism, and you just looking at China and America and Europe. And so you saying these things as if what you're talking about, you, you're not understanding the basis of where you're talking about. Why American money have all these Egyptians and Muslims? <laughs> Why? What, like, you see, the thing with you saying, you saying it, as if, well, this how it is, man. It's got to be like this because this yeah. how it is. When they know where these things originate from. from, the scales of my heart, even though they imbalance on their money and in their um, halls of justice, mm-hmm. this, is, this is based on African principles, justice, truth, reciprocity within that dynamic. Well, they know that that's where the system of how do you judge equality and how do you look at goodness and they know that's where that come from the problem is they can't understand the principles they they couldn't process the principles so they take it and make it like they do everything else that they have done they make it their version and so you end up with a bastardized system that started with the scope to do what it was intended to do however the rules of the game the way that the game is played it don't bring about the the order or the the intent of the original original. So, but it's still used in the same presence. You talk about the legal community, and they talk about oh, you know, we have the um, second oldest or maybe the largest parliament. I think well, the second to England. We have the second oldest um, parliamentary democracy in the hemisphere or whatever, whatever like this, and it's like. Dude, you realize that, and then they would they would say like the coconut mine, they're fine. You realize that the system, as it was in feudal England, was built just like this for the lords and the aristocracy to not have to follow the rules. So when you have the system now employed in the Bahamas. And you say, man, just like these rules they have for rich people, man. And then they did it. Yeah, it's not designed to be for them. It's only designed to be for you. The words on the paper only apply to you. You know. But you try you trying to fight the try talk about making it fair when this bicycle working perfectly. 
you know, hold on. And that's the same point because, boy, there's so much things you touch on just now. I'll slide through them quickly. Like, I laughed at the point when you talk about why they have all these symbols on the dollar. And I remember I took someone and I, I went through some of the symbols on that and they told him what the original was and they freaked themselves out. Um, even the hidden owl, there's an owl on the dollar bill that most people can't find. I say, what do they call a group of owls? It's a parliament. Anyway, we went kind of deep with that. In fact, if people want to learn about right. that, there's a book um, by, what's the guy named? Marty Leeds. Um, he talks about pie in the pie as and and, and um anyway talk about a lot of different things and symbolism what symbolism means and where they come from and and pretty much how our bodies are made up and all kind of stuff man very very interesting thing but okay um because I smile on that a lot of things just ran through my mind but anyway what you made point that's a good point and I want to take you to that point right. When you talk about the Bible, because you said something I, I wanted to shout just now, like, yes, please talk, say that again. Like you said, you're reading the Bible based on what the concept was given to you. So you try to force that on what the Bible says. But when you throw away that concept, which I did, and this is why I get in trouble with a lot of people who, who are who are religious, and I read the Bible for what it is. Like, you know what? I'm not going to apply nothing that you told me. Let me just read this like I read a normal book and see what I get. Uh-huh. It was totally opposite. I'm like, well, monkey foot. What the hell? So where y'all get all this concept from? And like you say just now, that was that was used to subjugate us. Here's the rule we want to put on this. Y'all very spiritual people. Let's take this information that we don't really understand anyhow. But since they go on based on these principles, let's just turn it around and use it against them. Because obviously, if you read the Bible as it is, it goes against many things that we do. Many. So it has its own meanings, but because it wasn't written right. for certain people, they're not going to understand it. You're not even going to get close to that. And I, uh, we talked about this for a second, and this is where, um, again, I guess when you're looking for information, the divine or God would, would lead people in your way to give you more information. I end up um, having a long conversation and a relationship, like a friend relationship with uh, someone from the Hebrew Israelites. And this was their concept. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was their concept of that. It's like, but this Bible is not written for everyone. Wait, what are you talking about? This Bible for everyone. And they see things like, but you think everyone is the everyone is the same. You think black and white and Asian and so all us is one and he's one big family. All everybody love each other. And when he started reading some things, but from that concept, it made more sense. This is not for everyone. Everyone is not going to understand this. However. In religion, religion puts something in your head that says, this is what it's going to be. And what happens in the back of your mind when you read the Bible or read a book or anything? We try to force what we already know onto what we're trying to learn. And we don't get it. We just can't, we just don't get it. True. You know? Very true. And I, I would make this one distinction. And it's something that I have actually really more come to grips with in the last like two years or so the concept of what we call religion at this point is exactly as you say but the origins of religion is really just the documentation of culture Mm. it's 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 the right it's the written down version of this is what we do okay not the way how it is employed now is that here are these words you are to do yeah. these. Well, 
you see, it, it's it's well, and then when you when you come into the Bible's context and, and you know the the world's popular or modern religions now, it's that God gave me these instructions and you are to do them. Whereas religion in its natural sense is okay, well, these are what we do. And you write that down. And so when you're talking to your son, you're like, okay, at three o'clock, we go over there by the river. There's 10 of us. And the 10 of us um, give our praise. Uh, we stand by the edge of the ocean. We watch this happen, this happen. This is what right. we do. So now that you're passing this information on to a generation, well, let him and his cousins say, okay, when we were doing standing by the river, the community was very pleasant. We also learned from there the motion of the ocean. And my ancestors saw that um, the tide shifts happen when they were observing this for the last 175 years, that these were the tidal shifts. They measured it against the rocky um, part of the... This is what it was that was happening. And so when you're documenting this is what we do as our culture, then it does become important and this is the way when we when we talk about um uh i was talking with with someone and they were like oh man you can't make your children do nothing the children decide to do whatever they want to do but no the idea is that the family the children carry on the yeah. study and the yeah. building of the universe the community you can do these singular things oh i will be a lawyer i will be a basketball player that is not that is not your why. Those are just things you do. That is not your way of being. That is not your way of life. Those things don't define you. And that's what we do in the African context is where we talk about these are the elements of our culture. This is religion. And that did something different to me because I actually, one of those individuals who cater more, you know, I feel that I am looking at my individual spirituality, my individual connection. But as soon as I now start to tell my niece, my nephew, my cousins, hey, man, look here, let me tell you all about this way of life, man. You know, when you're like this, you are peace. You see, I've been upset in X amount of years, you know, stress in a part of my life. Um, I am a person. When you start to do that, you are, in a sense, creating the religion. Because you're creating the the connection between the good outcomes or progressive outcomes or whatever you want to call it between your activities. And, and that's really at the core of what we did. Now, in the African versions of religion and spirituality, there would be the, the elements of, I may write it down and say, um, every man his own must find his own way to God. But I writing it down to say you were going to find your own way to yeah. God. But it's written. So it's that's a part of the religion. But the 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 instruction in the religion is so expansive that it is whatever you make of it. And see, that's the duality in what I have found in everything with Africa that makes the mindset and the, the frequency that we was operating on so powerful is that there was this comfort with the micro and the macro, the known and the unknown. 
the 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 here and the there. There's always this duality would make it seem and people say, oh, you're talking in parables and you talk. No, it's that if you understand that concept, it makes your knowing different because you know that you don't know things. But you're you're not knowing of things. It's like if you say that you say that um, there is a known and unknown forces of the universe. Well, you won't have a concept of well, I discovered gravity, or it's like no, you uncovered something that was already yeah. there. Now this is transitioning from the known to the unknown. So when you find a planet, you're not identifying, creating. You find an element, you're not identif- You're not creating no element. You're not creating, which is when the European touch things. It's like, hey, I discovered this. Hey, I no. You're uncovering things that already exist. Everything exists. Everything is already here within the world. Everything exists in the universe. Wow. <laughs> oh man, but use of my mind racing sometimes. But I, you know, I'm talking about that because that's an interesting concept and it makes sense. Whereas, like you say, what we do is is what religion was when we have information you do things like this and observing times and things and me passing that on that's something i find that we lost here in this part of the world where we are now of passing information on i think i'm trying to remember how you pronounce it i think it's griot g-r-i-o-t and this was a person Uh in an african village their job was to remember the stories and the history of their of their village and they would gather yep. children around and tell them, my grandmother used to do this. We used right. to sit down in the front room and she used to tell us stories about this and that. And then on the weekends, my grandfather used to take us out in the car because um, my, my family on my mother's side is very unique. My grandmother um, comes from Gambia. My grandfather people came from Adelaide. So it's like these were as, as African as you could get when it comes to here in, in Nassau. Right, right. So they used to take us around to Gambia and ride us around and talk to the old people and all oh, this way we did that, this way we did this here, we did this there. And we we learned about the island from them, from them telling us. Now, this is my grandparents telling us, not my parent, not my mother. This was my grandparents doing this, telling us this on. So I have a wealth of information because I listen to them. But we find that Nowadays, um, people don't pass this information on. They don't take their child, like you say, take your cousin, take your child and say, well, this is what we was like. For example, people didn't know during hurricanes, they used to leave Gambia and go into the caves, no caves village. They used to go in there to hide from hurricanes. People didn't know that. And there was a time when they said there was ice in the back there because it would take too long to get up in town to get ice. They used to go way in the back Uh and get ice. Now, how ice get in the back there, I don't know. But I'm gonna tell you what my people say. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna think my grand, my parents are gonna be lying to me. That's that's gospel. You right. know, we don't pass our information on, and that is really messing up. I think when we come back to culture, because all this is 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 a part of culture of who we are. Because that's that's the word that you use. I kind of like that you use that. What we do, this is what we used to do. This is what we should be doing. And these things that we put out there, like like you say being a doctor or being a lawyer and these stuff, that's just what you do to make money. That's not who you are. That's not who you are at, at, at your core. That's not where your people come from. That's not what we used to do. You, you don't, 
You don't have that spirituality anymore. And I think we lost it when we took on another religion and using the word religion as in here's what we do in our culture. Um, and even when you said that, uh, what you call it? Egyptology of what they did was their religion. Not religion as in spirituality, just like, boy, this is everything that we do in our life, in our culture. To be in this area where we are right now, this is what we do. I think if we change that word, it would make more sense and you would see where we are going wrong. You know? So, man, yeah, this mm-hmm. is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> like this. Is- yeah, but that's, I mean, to your point, um, it's why what you're doing with this podcast and with the platform that you're developing um, is so powerful. Yeah. Because we aren't actively telling those stories. And again, back to your point about, you know, is it our fault and is it that? It's the reality is that the world that we know, that we call the world and we call history and all of that stuff, it's designed for us to not worry too much about what really yeah. happened. <laughs> it's, it's the, that's a design. It's like, no, man, you, you know, you live in right now. So, you know, what will what, what happen? Uh, these things, they are, you, they done in place, man. So what, what will happen? You just go there and do you. That's the sentiment yeah. that comes from, but it's, it's a part of a plan. And like, if you keep on doing that, you ain't got yeah. nothing. Like, you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing, which is what has been happening the world over. So I want to ask this then, because we want to be touching on so many things. And I, I think I could tear this apart and I'll come back to you with some other questions at another uh, recording. Mm-hmm. Culture. Okay. Culture is pretty much what we do. But here we are in this geographical region that is known as the Bahamas. We don't know who we are or where we come from. We're still learning this and still trying to figure it out. And some people don't know at all. So from what I understand from this entire talk, and you tell me if I'm correct or wrong, what we should be now focusing on is trying to understand where we came from. Not to associate ourselves with enslavement but the people who we were before that when we were like we say mindset on star trek at that point where our our knowledge and our spirituality was at a level that we were trying to transcend wherever we were at that time not to be so carnal and be so warlike if we could understand that whole concept of family of like you mentioned as well um telling each other what it is that we do um, how we have these conversations around the dinner table or have these these conversations with extended family. And then when we come as two different families, we realize that there's something that we can bond together so that when we see each other, we know we are one. We cannot be, oh, you from Baintown, but I from Lightford Key. We separate and we apart. But we, we still we come from the same place. We come with the same concept. Because without this culture, I feel as if we will be further divided, the system wins. You know, it took a long uh-huh. time, but it, it wins because it's still there and it's still pulling us further and further and further apart, which is means that the more, yes. and it even makes sense, geez, my mind running like crazy now because I'm thinking about in Bible, the Tower yeah. of Babel. It makes sense why you had to confuse people because, boy, if you come together, even God was like, you're, you're nothing you all can do. <laughs> so imagine. Exactly. If not here in the, what we call the Bahamas, if we start linking up with the Haitians and start linking up with Dominicans and Jamaicans and be like, but we as one, I don't care what these people tell us, we throwing that away and we going back to our roots. And also goes right back. Uh-huh. I don't know why the Bible coming up in my head so much. 
Um, and I know I talked to my wife because I talked to my wife about this a lot. I say, you realize people are always talking about Jesus, but Jesus, every time they ask him or something, he say, yeah, but in the beginning that wasn't so. Yeah, but my daddy say this. Yeah, like he keep going back to the beginning. And we, uh-huh, as, uh-huh. as people reading this, don't realize that he's saying, but you need to go back to your roots. If you want to learn something or do something different, you need to go back to your roots and dig that up. And stop looking at just with the fruit well, popping yeah, off the tree. Yeah. You got to find out what your roots are. You know? So this is... This is <laughs> man, this is a lot to digest. This is a lot to go through. There's a lot of concepts you went through about what is culture. And I want you to end on this, though. Based on all that you said right now, what can the individual do right now to, to help them? Because each one teach one. If you learn something, what should the individual start doing right now to get back to their roots, to actually start a culture to, so that we can formulate something that you can see and say that this is Bahamian culture, which is based on our African ancestry where we came from? What can a person do? Well, the first thing I would say is that um, as an individual at this point, you have to really come to a certain realization and understand and it, it, it digs down to your core, digs down to your spirituality, your connection with the Most High um, in that you are willing to see we got to where we got to over a period of time and we won't get out of it in an instance as those Africans in Haiti made the decision we will not allow our people to be in bondage any longer. So because of that, we will die right now. Again, you have people, mothers, children, running towards the army with nothing but a rock in their hand, and they know the people get guns and cannons. Don't care. Yeah, yeah. So when you now talking about how are you going to defeat this, you have to recognize that's the kind of commitment you have to be talking about. So if you skirting around and you kind of like, you want to wear daishiki and you looking at Africa like, oh yeah, man, that's so cute and black is beautiful and naturally and you get in the fake locks or whatever. Like if that's what you want, you ain't really going to be part of the solution. I mean, that's cool, but the reality, and I, I don't, I don't ultimately care to like put myself out there or whatever like that but when i started to understand really and truly what it was that we were dealing with i made my mind up i cannot be a shining star within this system that was designed to kill me and my people so once i came into my understanding i had already made my mind up that i was going to quit my job I already made my mind up that because I, I started to see, what are you doing? I am promoting the agenda of the individuals that's harming my people. I cannot work here. And when I say I cannot work there, I don't mean, oh, I find a job at a black company that making the same amount of money. And I, no, no, no. Same system. It's like when you burn it up that you can't do what you know is not right, you have to find a way. And so in my case, I made a decision that 
I am going to build an enterprise that's based on African values and principles. So you come and you work within my establishment. The things that we discuss are around collectivism, balance, uh, the spirit of abundance, logic, reason. We don't believe in fail. We don't believe in, oh, it's a piece of pie and you get yours. We don't believe in scarcity. We don't believe in individualism. No fail. We ain't seeking to put power on nobody. We believe in respect, reciprocity. These are the things that actually are a part of my business. So you can feel how you want to feel or come from where you come from and you all, you know, carrying on bad acts wherever you are and all of that. But when you come to work and it's something that, you know, I took a page out of a place where I worked at in terms of the way that I saw that there was an agenda that had to be embraced because simply they were paying your salary. Yeah. And I saw many of preachers and pastors who was right in there talking this agenda on Sunday, they preaching against it. But when they get to work, they on that team yeah. meeting, like understanding everybody is in it and we respect this and we're going to look at this and, you know, this is positive direction and progressivism. I see it all. So I say, okay, if you could control the man who feels he is pastor and burn them down, but when Monday comes, he leads the meeting on the inclusion. I say, well, it have to be some power in the institutional organization of these values and principles. And so for those who can, I say, whether it be a, a, um, a charter institution, a, 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 um, you know, a charity, um, nonprofit, different things, whether it be an actual business, whether it be a community group, you have to get a part of a systematic way of addressing things. And the values of those systems, whether your group could be small, it could just be you, one other person, four other people, whatever the case may be, who have an understanding, like-mindedness, that, because that's the way it would have to happen. There's not going to be, uh, like you mentioned with the, the wider Caribbean community, there's not going to be a, a clarion call to say, hey guys, we African, and this is what African yeah. believes. Let's get yeah. there together. That's not happening. So you have to be able to understand, hey, this can take 300 years, man. So let me just get this ball rolling. Let me just, let me just start this, this, uh, uh, relay race. Let me run this 100 meters. Let me run my quarter mile. And my quarter mile, you have to be comfort, comfortable within the significance of your insignificance. You have to be comfortable knowing that, hey, man, I might not turn out to be Bill Gates like this, but if I build this little business on the end of this corner store, it's going to be significant and impactful to my community. Understanding that one level of greatness ain't past another level of greatness. And when we become comfortable, which again goes back to our Africanity, once we become comfortable with those sorts of mindsets, like it really don't matter if I have ten million dollars or fifty thousand dollars. It really like these are constructs. It really don't matter if I have a mega church or a church with ten people in it. But the significance of what you're living as your truth and the impact that you have on others is the telling part. That's that's so I would say to individuals as a step like. 
even though we're talking to individuals, you no man is an island. So the first thing you have to do is get together with someone. That that has to be a step. You have to find like-minded people and do stuff. Do stuff together. Wow. All right. That's is a whole lot for everyone to think about. Um, like I said, I'll have to invite you back again so we can talk in depth on different pieces of it and some other topics themselves. But man, I want to really thank you for coming on this and sharing your thoughts on culture um, on the whole, not just in the Bahamas, but where we are, where we should go and how we got here. You know, I mean, it's just so multifaceted, so many things you have to think about. And that's literally getting a bird's eye view of the entire forest. Because before you were standing in front of this one tree and we just couldn't see the rest of it. And that's what caused all these squabbles exactly. and, and fighting and, and talking back and forth because we just couldn't get the big picture. So, man, again, Wayne Wilson, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, hope to hear more from you. Uh, we're going to talk a whole lot more. And there's something else I want to bring you back on for, but I'll keep that a secret. I'm sure the guests are going to love this. <laughs> Definitely love this. Yeah, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Appreciate you calling me up, thinking about me. And, uh, you know, I had no idea, by the way, when we started talking about time and I had no idea that we'd be able to make up this <laughs> amount of time. Um, cause I don't, I, I don't think about, you know, actually having something to say, but I guess it turned out otherwise. Why do you usually surprising the most people when they realize the amount of information that they have, you know? Especially when you feel passionate about something, you can talk about it for a really long time. And I'm glad you had to share it with us because we need to hear it. We all needed to hear it. All right. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. All right. You thanks again. So for next time on the podcast, listen in here on broughtupc.com. We have other ones that you can listen to for talking fool. We have other ones that we're going to bring on for doing business in the Bahamas. Yeah, like I mentioned before, he is a businessman as well. And you heard him mention his business at the end there. So we'll definitely bring him on for other behemoths who need um, some help with that. His career is more extensive than you think. I'm not going to give away the cat as yet until we uh, talk about that. So until next time, everyone enjoy. Talking food is a very serious thing. Talking food is a crying shame. Talking food, it will taste your blood. For talking food, it will leave you lying in the mud. Harry talking food, shame in the game in his hand. He breaks you to bush crying.